Oh, welcome everyone to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Grumpy. Gotta ask. Good news. Good news. The Islanders have not lost a game since our last podcast. As a matter of fact, our last two podcasts. <laughs> that is good news for certain grump. Grump, I gotta ask you. Why the West Virginia Mountaineers garb? I've got to ask you, Grumpy. What, what's up with that? Because uh, I got this from someone. Uh, there was uh, they played. Matter of fact, I'm even wearing a Continental Tire Bowl shirt. Uh, when I used to work for the Carolina Panthers, uh, we'd also work some bowl games. And uh, West Virginia was in town one time, and you know, being you know, a person of my stature, I got some free swag from them. Grump, did you get free swag because even back then you were the grumpy old man? Is is that what I'm to understand? I've always been incredible my whole life, honestly. It doesn't matter the time frame. I was younger back then, a lot younger, but it didn't matter. <laughs> Grump, I will, I will reserve judgment. I'm, I'm just shocked. It's, it's almost like, what are you going to wear next? And, you know, you've already told us you're going to wear some type of Buccaneers or Tom Brady apparel if the Buccaneers win this Sunday on our next podcast and live stream. So, you know, I guess I'm just, I, you know, at this point, I don't expect you to wear any Islanders gear. I've worn Islanders gear before. I was going to wear an Islander hat today, but I said, you know what? No, I'm not going to be like certain members of the Islanders announcing team. I'm going to look professional whenever I do a podcast. <laughs> who are you talking about? Other members of the Islanders team, Grump? The ones who should be wearing hats when they're on television because their hair's all messed up. Are you? Is that a, is that a jab at AJ Molesko already? I don't know. You figure it out yourself. I'm not mentioning her name. I don't want to get chastised because TJ chastises me. Whenever I'm, I'm like, I'm driving people away because I spoke, uh, I didn't, I'm not in the woman uh, tent or whatever. I don't even know what the heck he calls it. But, you know, I figured, you know, we do have a couple of women who listen to this podcast. I think uh, they find us entertaining. And, you know, what can I tell you? I'm more entertaining than AJ Malesko. I can't tell you that much. I know that for a fact. I want to also say for a fact, Grumpy, I think AJ Molesko knows a little bit more about hockey than the grumpy old man. I do want to chime in, Grump. I always forget, so I've got to get to it early. Uh, we do have a ad to read, Grumpy Old Man, from DraftKings. Um, so the 55th Super Bowl is this weekend, 55, and the game this big deserves big prizes, not just some trophy. The DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of Super Bowl 55, has up to $55 million in prizes, uh, in total prizes up for grabs with their Super Bowl prediction pool. How big is that? Um, all you have to do uh, to get your share of the huge prizes is enter DraftKings' free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you will have a free instant prize up to $25,000. And if you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Download the app now and enter the free prediction challenge. Answer questions like who will score last, and boom, you are ready to make it rain. Uh, DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, grumpy old man. So you, they know a thing or two about a big payday. Download DraftKings app now and use the code, the promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Um Everyone, that's an instant prize of up to $25,000 just for playing. 
So use the promo code THPN now to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl challenge only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details, grumpy old man. Well, you mentioned how, uh, you know, they're always paying off at this. How does their business stay afloat if they're always paying off? I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell you, grumpy old man. I, I don't know. I've never been a gambler, so that's not really up my alley, Grump. Well, me neither. But anything that I hear is free, I'm all for it. So I'm <laughs> definitely going to get that app, and I'm probably going to be. I don't know how much can I win a million dollars. I guess if you get every single prediction right, sure, Grumpy, you can win a million dollars. But this is my question, Grump. If you're our NHL analyst and expert, what the hell do you know about football, Grump? I know more about football than I know about hockey, if you can believe that. Ding. Who is that, Grumpy? That was That's the answer to the question. You know, like they answer your question. Alex Trebek says, or whatever, he's dead now. So I guess he's not asking any more questions. But, you know, they asked a question on, you know, whenever they had Jeopardy, and there would be like, bing, you know, the daily, I don't know, the daily doubles, wing, 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 something like that. I never watched the show. I can't say I've never seen it but certainly not when it was in prime time. I used to watch it in the Wayback Machine when it was on during the day on NBC at like 11 o'clock or 11.30 in the morning uh, with Jeopardy. And I can't remember some of the other ones. Um, um, there were some – they used to have a bunch of shows in the morning, and then in the afternoon they'd have like a little brief little news thing, half hour, and then they would go to um, soap operas all afternoon. And on uh, Channel 7 ABC in New York – uh, they'd have the 4.30 movie. So, like, they'd take a movie that was like, oh, I want to say maybe like two, two and a half, two hours long. They'd play that over three days, um, you know, you know, with commercials and everything. But, you know, here's the thing. Back in the day, we didn't have – the only place to see a movie full and uncut was at the movie theater. Everything else was commercial TV. I remember, I remember when The Godfather first came out on TV. It was like, oh my God, The Godfather! And you know, they hacked it up. They cut some stuff out. They cut out certain language. But I mean, even then, that was the first time I saw it. Honestly, was uh, on television on NBC. Uh, I watched it, and it was it changed my life. Changed the grumpy old man's life. That's all I can say about that. I was about to say, grumpy old man. It's a shame too. I, you know, movie theaters on the way out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this much, Grump. I do want to dive into some Islanders news. That's uh, fine. This is more some Bridgeport news. Uh, Bridgeport starts the season off with a four to one loss. Um, I guess the biggest question mark Islander fans and the Islander community has is where was Bodie Wild? And this is a question that I think all of us should be asking. And again, like I, it's game one. I will tell you this much. Unless he was sick, contracted some type of illness, where the hell was Bodie Wild, grumpy old man? We heard the entire Islanders organization just lauded, just going ahead and praising him all preseason long. And he doesn't even start game one in Bridgeport, grumpy. Well, I think what uh, what the management team said was, you know, he's been good this year. And, you know, he's had some problems in the past. We've never seen them, but, uh, you know, we're going to send them down anyway. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe they're pulling a Josh Hosang and just going to say, you know, you've had some issues in the past, so we're going to, even though we drafted you and signed you a contract, we're going to punish you anyway so you can't have a career. Maybe that. Maybe that's the path they're taking. I was about to say, Grump, I, you know, I'm kind of confused by it. I scratched my head a little bit. And this is, again, we got a comment here from David saying, Bridgeport lost four to one. How the hell does Brent Thompson still have a job, Grump? I don't know, but I think he and Chris Lamarillo have something going on. 
Maybe they're just friends. I don't want to say anything else besides that maybe they're just friends. But, I mean, they've both been there a long time. I, I'll say it again. The AHL is for developing young players. And there's no reason. Think about how short the season is. Bodie Wild needs to play as much as possible. He needs to play all the time. He shouldn't be sitting out. Who are they playing? I know Casper is on the first line, right? Why? I don't know. He's a failure already. I'm just telling you, he's a flop. He's not a Kaliev. He's not a McMichael. He's not a Tomasino. There you go. You heard it here. First, second, third, every podcast. You're going to hear it forever for his whole career. I'll tell you, Grumpy, the funny thing is we'll have to go ahead and make sure we stitch this as you've been talking about this, mm, I want to say since draft day or post-draft day, immediately after the Islanders skipped over a few of, the, few of those players. It will be interesting to see, Grumpy, because you have taken a huge position on Simon Holmstrom. I'm not going to be as bullish or as bearish as you are, Grumpy old man, saying that uh, his career won't pan out, blah, blah, blah. You might be being a little hyperbolic, Grumpy old man, but – you know, I think it's safe to assume some of those other players might have had a little bit more offensive talent and acumen than Simon Holmstrom does. Well, for those who didn't know, TJ just used a financial term, bullish and bearish. Uh, bullish is like if you're bullish on the market, it's a bull market. Let's invest our money. Bearish, hey, let's calm down, play a little bit safe. You can tell that's TJ's business, which it is. Um and I'm just, uh, but I have to explain to some people that, you know, don't try to talk above the people with your fancy financial talk. Okay. I'm letting, I'm letting my, I'm letting my business and I'm letting uh, my job leak over into the podcast grump. I am ashamed. <laughs> As you should be. Uh, but you know, one thing I will say about Bridgeport losing four to one, you know, they're just like, they're just like our team. We don't score. Neither does Bridgeport. We just don't value goals. Did you, grumpy old man, did you see the lineup they actually threw out there? And again, defense, not upset with besides maybe the omission of Bodie Wild. Uh, but did you actually see the forward pairings we had out there, Grumpy? I did not see any of the pairings. I'd like you to run through it just so I can comment on all of them because I'm sure the forward lines suck. I'm certain of that. And I want to see which defenseman should have been benched over uh, Bodie Wild. Well, grumpy old man, I'll tell you one thing. Through the majority of these, I'm going to say you might know a few of these older forwards. But it just – and, again, it's it's important to take this with a grain of salt, grumpy old man. When you look at this forward group, man, oh, man, if this doesn't tell you that we have an organizational dearth of offensive talent, I don't know what will. On the first line, Brown, Tanner Fritz, Simon oh. Holmstrom. Uh, Tanner on, Fritz. Hold on, Grump. Grump, we have to go out and say this at the beginning. We're going to have to have you hold all, all explosions and outbursts till the end. Because if you do that, we'll be going line by line. And man, oh man, we might take up an hour with this, Grumpy. Okay. So on, on the second line, Greer, McLean, uh, uh, Macklin, I'm sorry, and Kunakel. On the third line, uh, Newman, Kubiak, Newman. And, and Bardot. Is that Cole Bardot? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. And then on the last line, uh, Felix Bibu, um, uh, Jost, and Carpenter. Bobo Carpenter. Okay. There's a few familiar names on here, grumpy old man. But again, it's not a lineup where you're saying, oh, wow, I can't wait till mm, Felix Bibu gets into the NHL or when, uh, <laughs> when Bobo Carpenter makes it to the NHL. I'll tell you what. I wouldn't mind seeing though. They're still young. Those are... I don't, I don't know what their structure is. I don't know if they roll their lines. I would certainly hope they do where even though the number one line, ugh, 
Tanner Fritz, and Casper, the, the, the friendly ghost. No. I don't even know who Brown is. It doesn't matter. I'm sure he's just a ham and egg or hack, just like most of the guys that are out there. That's fine. I mean, but then you look at, uh, you know, you got Bebo, who actually I thought he looked pretty good in the juniors. Uh, Cole Bardreau, I know him. And I'd love to – I mean, are you trying to tell me that Cole Bardreau, who's playing on third line there, couldn't play the third line for our big team? I think he could. I think he's better than Michael Del Cole when he had a, the cup of coffee with us last year. I thought he was really – I thought he was certainly showed energy and was pretty good. Certainly better than Michael Del Cole. Grump, I want to chime in. That's right. I always forget that you actually know Cole Bardreau, grumpy old man. Hey, you told the story a long time ago. I think you knew him as a kid there. Um, but grumpy old man. So those yeah. are our forward pairings, Grump. Yeah, I'll, I'll just touch on the Cole Bardreau thing again, you know, for people – uh, who haven't heard it before because it was a while ago that I told the story. But uh, he uh, played at the same uh, rank that my son played in. and But he was, I mean, okay. He was playing up in squirts when he was, was he eight, seven or eight years old? Here's the thing. He should have been a mite. But he was playing a level up, and he was the best player a level up. And, uh, I mean, fine young man. And, you know, they wound up uh, moving up north where he joined the U.S. Uh, developmental program. And, uh, you know, I think he was part of the Filthy Delphia Flyer organization for a while. But I'm happy to have him with the Islanders. I just wish that he got a shot to play, honestly, as opposed to some of the scraps that we have up there now. The fact how – does, how does Simon, the friendly ghost Holmstrom, get the number one line? He's Hold a on. zero. You know what it's like? I know why. I know why. Because we just put Bailey on the number one line. So let's put Bailey 2.0 on the number one line at Bridgeport. He sucks. He sucks. Okay. Sucks. Pump, pump it, Grump. Pump it, Grump. I, that's, I got it. Pump it, Grump. I like that. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this much, Grumpy old man. Again, I, I want to see every single young player getting major minutes down in Bridgeport. As you mentioned earlier, it's a developmental league. You know, I'd like to see Brent Thompson instill a little bit of the winning mentality in Montreux that you'd like to see. But grumpy old man, it's more of a developmental league. Uh, now I want to move to defense. You said, I want to know who played over Bodie Wild. Um, again, Bodie Wild, maybe he was sick. Maybe he got the stomach bug, grumpy old man. Maybe they're keeping him out there to be precautious. Maybe he had the sniffles. Maybe they're worried he might have COVID. I don't know. Maybe he was possibly exposed. Who knows? Grumpy old man. But these were the defensemen that played over Bodie Wild on night number one. We have uh, Hedgelson. I guarantee you I butchered that last name. Uh, Mitchell Van Sample, Samuel Baldick, Grant Hutton, Parker Weatherspoon, and McKinnon. McKinnon shouldn't be there, and neither should the first guy you mentioned. Hedgelson. Yeah. I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know who they are. So, I mean, if I haven't heard of them, they should not be over uh, Bodie Wild. Bodie Wild is 20 years old. Samuel Bolduck is 20 years old. Those guys should be playing. Those guys should be playing all the time. I'm telling you what. The time limit is just about expired on Von Sample and Wotherspoon. Move that. I mean, Hutton, I want to see him play. Those, those are the three guys that I want to see play. I think those are the three guys who have potential to make the big team. That's why I want them playing major minutes in Bridgeport. I was about to say, grumpy old man. And again, like that's that's the biggest part. I think Grant Hutton can go ahead and step into the lineup. I, Hell, I mean, arguably, he could be a seventh defenseman around the NHL right now. He's young, too, grumpy old man. You'd like to see those guys get their chances and opportunities. Um, 
Hopefully, Bodie Wild, it's just maybe he's sick or maybe he hurt himself a little bit. Maybe he's a little dinged up. It was definitely a shock to Islander fans. And because they didn't release anything about it, it wasn't like, hey, he's hurt or he did this. Nobody really has released and cracked the news yet. We're recording this podcast here on or Friday evening. Grumpy old man. It's different. We usually record on Saturdays after the actual Islander games if they have them. Today, we're recording on Friday evening. I got a wedding to go to tomorrow, Grumpy. Yeah, so in other words, you thought this wedding of probably some people that they don't know you because if they did, you would not have been invited, let's be honest. So, uh, you know, I guess you're probably like a plus one. You're the plus one. Uh, but, I mean, the fact that you're uh, jaking out on our normal Saturday podcast is very disappointing to hear from, from my perspective. Well, Grump, I, I told Paige, I told her, I, I know she hasn't been on Stumping the Grump recently, but I told her straight up. I said, let's go ahead. I could go ahead and do the live stream at the wedding. We could just cut out the wedding early. I said it gives us an excuse to leave. She wasn't as down for that idea as I was, grumpy old man. <laughs> well, we can tell who wears the pants in that family. Oh, yes, yes, grumpy. Uh, we have a comment here from Scott saying, anyone else think AJ needs to go to broadcasting school? She always stumbles over her words. I have no problem with women broadcasters, but she needs to polish up on a few th- on some things. Watch out, Scott. You're going to get canceled. That's what TJ tells me. We're going to get canceled because of the cancel culture. You can't speak the truth. Don't speak the truth if it's against one of the sainted groups. Here's the thing. AJ, has. she does mumble and bumble over her words. She does, but not as bad as she used to. She has improved. Now, I don't think she improved from last year to this year, but she certainly made a huge improvement from her first year to the second year. Absolutely, she did. And I'm going to say again that uh, – you, you know, she's working hard. I mean, I, she, I think she knows the game. Um, she, she, she certainly knows the game. She picks up on certain nuances that an average fan would not pick up on. And that's what you're looking for. I think she is articulate. But when she does get put into the broadcasting position, especially like when she comments there on those NBC Sports Network games, you could just tell it's not she's not in a realm just because – Butch Goring usually does it every night for the Islanders. If she was receiving that every single night type of uh, type of action, it would be natural second nature to her, Grumpy. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of – I don't even – here's the thing. I wasn't even listening to what you were saying because I was thinking about how when she's messing up, she gets kind of tangled up. It reminds me of the movie Scent of a Woman. hoo You know, Al Pacino. I mean, thinking that he won an Academy Award for playing a blind guy. He did so many other roles much better than that, honestly but he finally got an overdue Academy Award. And he used to say when he was doing a tango, he's like, you know, you just kind of, uh, when you get tangled up, you just tango on. And that's what I think that AJ hasn't learned how to do yet. All right, you make a little mistake. Hey, that's okay. Just make a little joke and just roll with it. I don't know if she's capable of that. Because believe me, there are times a grumpy old man messes up, right? I mean, I know it's rare, few and far between, but you know what? Hey, just move on. It's like, it doesn't matter. We're just on to the next thing. If we got a comment here from Frank, hey, Frank, he says, Sorokin needs to be in the AHL. Grumpy, you were saying this, and you did not disagree with it, right? Because Sorokin does need to get used to the American-style game. And again, I think like, long-term, he is the answer in that for the Islanders. But he does need to get acclimated to the NHL arena there and the NHL size ice. Yeah, my whole thing is, if he's not going to play a lot of games at the NHL level, give him a full workload in the AHL. It's about developing the player. Let's develop our young players. You see one flash in 24. They're playing 24 games, right? Yeah, 24 okay. games. Okay, so how long till the season is over? 
I mean, what, like six, seven weeks, eight weeks? No, 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 Grumpy. So the Islanders are one of the few teams in their division that are only playing 24 games. The majority of the AHL teams are playing like 40 or 50 some odd games, Grumpy. It's just because of the way our division is currently constructed, constituted, they're playing only 24 games. That's why it's going to be a lot more actual practice than it is a lot of game time. So that's the only crummy thing about Sorokin maybe going to the AHL. He's not going to get as much game time and game experience as you'd like to see him have. Okay, but if he plays 24 games there, do you think he's going to play 24 games here this year? I don't think so. I mean, how many games? He's played two, ga- two three games now. One he got for- forced into because of Arlov's injury. But let's say even if he does play one out of three games, right, you're talking about that's 18 games because I can add just on the fly like that. 54 divided by three is 18. Would I rather him get 24 games at the AHL or 18 in the NHL? Here's the thing. If the season in the AHL ends earlier, you can bring him back up. I want him playing. I mean, that's the whole thing with the young guys. Maybe the Islanders don't feel the need to have their young guys develop. Why? We don't play the young guys anyway. And we don't want to wear out all the old guys like the Tanner Fritzes of the world. We don't want to wear them out just in case they have to come up and play. Maybe that's a thought process. I don't know. Grumpy old man, I have a comment here from Brian saying Simon Holmstrom equals Draco Malfoy from the, for Harry Potter fans. I'll be honest, he does he does look a little bit like a younger Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy, and hey, it's not a terrible comparison. I, you know, you could be called a lot worse things than Draco Malfoy. He does not look like Dra- he makes Draco Malfoy look like an absolute super stud. Okay, <laughs> he actually who, who he really reminds me of. You remember the little banjo guy, but bang 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 from Deliverance. That's who. Look at his face and look at the two faces. That's who he reminds me of. And yes, I'm a lefty guitar player. I was about to say the guitar looked odd too, Grumpy. It was banjo. It was banjo. Deliverance, great movie. Burt Reynolds, uh, Ned Beatty, Squeal Like a Pig, John Boyd, excellent movie. Ronnie Cox. Grumpy, I, I do have something else to bring up that I'm sure will make you absolutely thrilled. Um, the Islanders right now, again, only have played nine games, are dead last in the Eastern Division, Grumpy. Whoop, whoop. Bringing up the rear so all we can go is up. Yeah. Well, there's a positive spin for you. Look at TJ, the Pollyanna fan, always looking for the positive. You're right. We can't get any worse in the division we are now. Uh you know, of course, I think we played one less game than the Rangers, but I'm going to say, you know, playing Pittsburgh tomorrow is going to be big for us. Uh, I think we have to get two points. I don't want to, even if, if we lose again, I don't want to hear any excuses from the excuse train of trots and below average Anders. I don't want to hear it. You have to win tomorrow. And honestly, think about it, right? Buffalo, you look at the three teams or the four teams that are ahead of us, because I think Philadelphia, Boston, and Washington are locks for the playoffs. I just do. I just think they're playing the best. Boston, watch out for Boston and watch out for Washington. I think the, I think Washington's best, Boston's second, and then those scummy Flyers are after that. Um, even though I think we can beat the Flyers, honestly. I, we should have beat them two games last I, week. I think uh, we play I – th- I want to piggyback off of that. I think we play well against the Flyers, Grumpy Old Man. I really do. I, we, that defensive system, for whatever reason, does give the Flyers a little bit of fits just because they are a high forechecking team. And when you can catch them – when the Islanders are playing Islanders hockey to the best of their ability and everything is right, it's sunshine and rainbows, Grumpy Old Man. We eviscerate the Flyers. We do. But again, like right now, not everything's been going away. Bounces haven't been going away, and just the play hasn't been there. Effort, maybe not all the way there either. 
No, I don't think you can sell our effort short. I just think our guys are old. I just think that we're an old team, and we just can't play balls to the wall like that all the time. You just can't do it. It's just, it, you just can't do it. I mean, it's been what I've been saying for years, and the older the guys get, the less they're able to pull that off. Uh, the one bad thing is if we do qualify fourth, uh, we'd want to probably play Washington, and they'd absolutely throttle us this year. They don't. We don't have the advantage of having Todd Reardon behind the Washington bench this year. They have a legitimate NHL coach now, which is problems for us. I mean, just think about how badly they beat us a couple of weeks ago, and they're missing half their team, and they dominated us. Yeah, and again, like I look at it like this for people who are saying, and again, I like to play devil's advocate, right? Because I want to look at both sides of the both sides of the spectrum. You know, we're dead last in the division. Sure, have we only played nine games? Absolutely. Well, grumpy to play devil's advocate for those people using that as a defense. The Tampa Bay Lightning and the Central Division have only played eight games. And again, teams that are underneath them have played 12. This, the, the Tampa Bay Lightnings with eight games lead the division in points. So again, the Tampa Bay Lightning are on a different threshold and a different level, grumpy old man. But just saying, if you have played the least amount of games there in your division, it's not impossible to be number one in the division also. Well, Dallas is also in that division, correct? Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. They haven't played the least. The Florida Panthers have played seven. So, again, but only having played eight games so far this season, they still lead their division. But Dallas, grumpy old man, they are in that division. They've played eight games. But I'll tell you, the Central is tight. It's tight right now. But that's because Tampa Bay and Dallas haven't played as many games. Well, they've had two teams, Florida and Dallas, who've had COVID issues, uh, which has affected Tampa um, not being able to play because they were scheduled to play those teams. And the one thing I was going to say uh, before I went off on my other tangent about uh, getting throttled by Washington is the good news in our division. You look at the three teams. I consider three teams really ahead of us. I'm not counting the first three, but I'm going to count Pittsburgh, uh, the Rangers, the Devils, four teams, I guess, in Buffalo who are ahead of us. You look at Jersey and Buffalo have COVID issues. Okay. So what does that mean? That means that their schedule is going to be really condensed as it goes forward. And that's going to wear them out down the stretch, right? So I figure we'll be able to pass them. I don't think the Rangers, you know, when you got, you know, the college coach. Uh, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn. It doesn't matter. Here's the thing. I don't need to know his name. Uh, but as soon as they get rid of the college boy, they'll probably be better off. Uh, I'm not worried about them. The Penguin to the team that I'm concerned about because they do have that pedigree. They do have some real star players still, even though they're aging. Uh, some star players on that team. And uh, that's the team that we really – that's the team that I'm worried about. They're, and we have to beat them when we play them. Yeah, Grump, I, I wanted to talk about that. I mean, we've talked about the results so far, not what the Islanders have wanted or did want coming out of the gate. This extended time period and this extended break could not have come at a better time. Grumpy old man, the Islanders honestly have one or – the only way I will be happy and excited – after Saturday's game is from one or two things, the result of one or two things. The Islanders win. I don't care how they play. If they win the game and get two points, that's big and important. I don't care if they look dominated. I don't care if we play even peel. Or I don't care if we play like an even game, neck and neck, or if we dominate them. If we win, it's important. If we lose, we have to at least get a point. And I'm telling you, we have to look like a different team on the ice. We can't come out there on Saturday's game and look like, man, we're dragging our feet. We look slow. We look lethargic. We look like the Islanders have there for the first nine games of the season. We can't look like that against the Pittsburgh Penguins. No. I mean, we've had, in essence, what is it going to be? Seven days off in between games? 
or did we play on a Sunday? I, I, we it's, played Sunday. It's, it's six games off, Grumpy. It'll be six, six games, games off. Okay. We should come out with our hair on fire. I mean, you know, supposedly they had the team meeting, the, you know, players only meeting. Um, I, I heard rumors about that. I didn't see anything on it from like accredited sources, but I've heard people talking about the team meeting. I'm not sure. I, I didn't see anything confirming that though, Grump. Okay. If they did, they got to come out ready to go. I, I you know, I, I'm not going to blame the coach yet, but it's getting there because I think his lineup selections have been lax. Uh, when you find something that works, you don't break it up. I don't know. I, I read something uh, the other day that the fourth line is like the third worst line in hockey. They, now, you know, here's, here, here's, my, here's my question, Grumpy. Is that based off of some analytics, or what did you see? Give me some context. Analytics. I mean, here's the – I don't need the analytics to tell that they've been absolutely horrible. All you got to do is watch the game. But for the geeks out there who, you know, maybe they don't know what hockey's all about or know who's effective and they need some type of stats to back up whatever, uh, you know, the stratomatic game or whatever it is that they play uh, – that should lighten, be a little bing, bing, bing for them also. But, you know, like I said, I've been saying it for weeks, right? They're absolutely horrible. Uh, they're in their zone all the time, uh, getting pinned back. Here's the, the line is finished. And you know what's funny? How long have I been saying that now? Because now you're seeing all these little websites, you know, who really don't know much about anything uh, until they listen to the grumpy old man. Uh, opine on what's going on with the Islanders. And all of a sudden, two weeks later or a week and a half later, Oh, you know what? They might as well just give me credit for all those things because I'm two weeks ahead of time on everything that happens with that team. I mean, all you got to do is pay attention. You can't be reactionary. Be proactive, and that's what I am. Yeah, Grumpy. That's why, that's why Simon Holmstrom's not going to make it in the NHL. I can already tell. I won't go that far. And, again, he might not. This is the thing with Simon Holmstrom. Before we drop it, Grump, actually, you know, we have one comment here from Brian before we drop it. Can't wait to watch Kaliev become a 30-goal scorer for L.A. Great pick, Lou. I'll tell you this much with Simon Holmstrom. I think he will make it there in the NHL. Will he be a superstar? Will he be a goal scorer? Will he be a guy who, you know, puts up 60, 70 points a season? Absolutely not. Uh, Yeah, okay, that's fine. I don't – you know, I think he will make the NHL only because – they don't want to be embarrassed by picking a guy like that so high when he was projected to go maybe in the second round, uh, you know, and then you you pass over high-end offensive talent. What does this team need? High-end offensive talent. I mean, I was going to do a little draft special coming up because I feel like maybe perhaps we're going to have to familiarize ourselves with uh, high-end, with high draft picks, like top 10 picks, and I'm going to look at offensive scoring guys. I'm not even going to look at guys on defense because if we draft a defenseman in the first round, they should fire Lamarilla right now, right? We're filled with defensemen, no offensive players. And I don't want to see any more of these Simon Holmstrom, grinder, slash garbage, Josh Bailey lookalike types, or the Krunstads, third and fourth liners. We don't need guys like that. We need guys like Kaliev, Tomasino, McMichael. Those are the type of guys we need. You want to know why? They put the puck in the net. What do you have to do to win games? You've got to put the puck in the net. I got to say, Grumpy, anytime you mention Lundkrantz, I want you just to say the wrong name every single time because it brings a smile to my face. I just want you to throw in some different German name so that it's just like a little ongoing running joke, Grumpy old man. We do have a comment here. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Was his, what was his name? Is it Lundkrantz? Lundkrantz, yeah. Is that what I said? I don't know, Grumpy. When you get on a roll, I can barely tell sometimes, especially when you're speaking a name that's a different language. Grumpy He's got old- a new name. 
Kielbasa. He's going to be Kielbasa from now on. What, the, what is Kielbasa? Or German sausage, whatever you want to call him. I don't care. <laughs> I just want you to give me a different name for Lundkrantz. Lundkrantz. I want you to give me a different name for Lundkrantz every single time you mention him, Grumpy. Uh, we got a comment here from Robins, uh, Robert saying, uh, we look very slow. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It, the reason we look very slow is because we are very slow. <laughs> <laughs> we've right, been slow we were always a slow team in the nhl and the team just gets older it's definitely not getting faster let's go by player by player who can skate first line barzell superior a plus eberly well eberly's not on the first line okay uh bailey okay as a skater out of five i give him a three uh below average anders minus one out of five then you go uh croc Three and a half, probably more like three. Bailey, uh, I'm sorry, Everly used to be a four. Now he's a three. Bavillier's a good skater. He's out. Let's say you put uh, Leo Komarov on there, minus fifteen as a skater, or you put. Uh, I got to interject here, Grumpy. I was about to say, if you're going to give if you're going to give Bailey or a Bavillier their rating, I'd probably give him a four. And then you look to the third line, Grumpy old man. Again, it's. It's jumbled up all the time. But John Gabriel Peugeot, right, he's probably about a three and a half, four. He could skate, um, grumpy old man. And I, it really depends. It's the casting crew. There's nobody who's a superior skater. Maybe Jarnak uh, is an okay skater. But other than that, the guys on the third line are not great skaters. In the fourth line, whoo, grumpy old man. Between Matt Martin, Casey Zizekas, and Clutterbuck, where do you rate those? I have seen glaciers move faster than that line. Seriously. <laughs> Ice flows move faster than that line. You've seen, you've, you've seen glaciers separating on ice, just going, moving at a faster pace, right? Polar bears laying on sheets of ice to sleep move faster than that line. The $6 million man doesn't move at all anymore. Cal Clutterbuck, love him, lost at least one step. Casey Zizekas, He's been a nightmare. 30 years old. Let's see how much we re-sign him for. He's probably worth a six- or seven-year deal, worth $4 million a year at his age. Guy who can't stay on the ice, doesn't score, can't skate anymore. And I love Casey Zizekas. But at some point in time, yeah, let's cut the apron strings, move on. Grumpy, we have Brush gave us a rating for your skating ability, Grumpy. He says, Brush says, Grumpy, you're negative 487 on the skating scale. He's full of crap. My skating skill is minus 513. Get your facts straight, son. I was, I was about to say, Grumpy, he's giving you way too much credit at your advanced age, Grumpy old man. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I probably skate as good as Leo Komarov, though. <laughs> I know you can skate as well as the puck with Leo Komarov because it's been on a stick for about three seconds before it gets he gets depossessed by the defender. Uh, we got a comment here. And Leo was a good player. I mean, he was. You know what? But he's what, 33, 34 now? I mean, like I said, how many old hockey players do you really see? Guys who are supremely talented can last to be a little bit older. And it's the same thing in soccer, the same thing, right? Only if you're supremely talented do you last into your 30s. Guys who are just regular ham and egger, hack jags, like we're filled up with this team, they don't last that long. They just don't. Athletes are young. We got a comment here from Scott Grumpy, old man. Do you see a full 60-minute effort tomorrow, or will we give a 35-minute effort? I think this is a very valid question. We have been – there's always have been lapses. Even when we 
absolutely annihilated the Rangers on opening night. And when we dominated the uh, Devils the first time we played them this year, we looked really, really dominant. And then the second period, we kind of tailed off a little bit. In the third period, we came out running hot again. Grumpy old man, do you think we see a full 60-minute effort tomorrow? No. Really? But here's the thing. I think it's hard to put in a 60-minute effort. There's going to be, uh, like you mentioned, against the, the Devils and the Rangers. and But we see that a lot. We come out, we're strong. In the, if we're weak in the first period, we come out strong in the second. If we're strong in the first period, we came out weak in the second. Uh, um, strong in the first, weak in the second. Weak in the first, strong in the second. Kind of just flip-flopping it there. See, what I do? I got tangled up, I just tangled on, right? That's what AJ should learn how to do, but she doesn't. But that's what I would say. I don't think we ever play a consistent 60-minute game. I think it's really, really difficult. But usually it's like if it's almost like we're great, we feel good about ourselves, and we come out a little bit flat the next period. And, of course, the other team is going to come out with a little bit of extra juice if they've been dominated in the first. Understandable. Well, the thing is, when I think about 60-minute, hey, you got to play a full 60-minute game, it's like one of those platitudes where, you know, a head coach and a, and a sport is like, we're going to have more effort out there. We're going to have enough effort. I'm like, come on, man. We're obviously <laughs> we're obviously putting forth the effort. Sometimes, you know, you're not be, you might not be skating. You might be a little asleep. Uh, I do understand that. But that's one of those platitudes. You can't play a full 60-minute game. Um, gotcha, grumpy old. Let me ask you about yourself. I mean, I, we know that you played college football. Uh, did you get yelled at for lackadaisical play at times? Grump, I'll be honest with you. My memory of what I used to be on the football field, very, very limited, grumpy old man. Uh, I really don't remember much of it. It's just kind of like a blur. Just happened. Sound like, well, did the coaches ever yell at you to get the lead out of your butt or anything like that? You could say lead out of your ass, Grumpy. I could tell that's what you wanted to say. Uh, I thought, Grump, I honestly don't. I don't think so. I honestly don't remember, though, grumpy old man. Nothing like paying attention to your coaches. Maybe that's why you're out of football now. <laughs> I'm out of football now because I'm old, fat, and slow, Grumpy. It's a deadly combination. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. Brian chiming in saying, we got to start a rebuild around a couple players we have now. Grumpy, I'll tell you, I, I could see there being like a major mix-up here. And if we don't make the playoffs this year, and let's say we – things don't really start to turn around. I think they can, and I think they still will. So I think it's important I'm adding this in. But I could see if we really, really struggle, I could see us looking to change the identity a little bit of the team. The negative aspect of that, and I'm 100% for that. I thought they should have did that when they first came in. I would, you know, they said, well, you know, the fan base has been so downtrodden. They don't want to go through another rebuild. I had no problem going through another rebuild. The reason being is, I never thought we were good enough to win a Stanley Cup with the current players that we had when Lou first started here and Barry first started here, okay? So when I kind of look at it is you wanted that first year to assess the players, great. You realize you had no scoring. Now the issue you're going to have if you decide to go for a rebuild is that you the salary cap is frozen. You've signed so many guys to big long-term deals, you're not going to be able to get those contracts off your books. So you're stuck with those players, and that's going to hurt a potential full rebuild. I'm all for it. I mean, if if I was GM, there's only a couple guys I'd even consider keeping. You keep saying full rebuild. It would never be a full rebuild. There's a lot of pieces on our team we could build around, even if you launched that ideology, Grumpy Old Man. We have another comment here from uh, Roberto saying, our only hope is Sorokin comes about and Varlamov covers his playoff style. Um, I hate the defense first ideology. Uh, which the team is supposedly built around. Uh, we need goals. Fans don't want to dump 
anyone, and besides Jean Gabriel Pajot and Barzal, uh, we need time for Green and some poor signings. I assume to come off the books. Um, grumpy old man. Yeah, fans they never want to ever part ways with players. They just don't. They think that, and the Islanders specifically, because Islander fans have been used to this again, this uh, beer league, where every single Islander that comes through is a career Islander, and eh, we're just here, we're the Islanders. That's not how professional sports are played. There's a lot of mixing and changing. You got to get better through the draft. And if you don't draft well and you can't make those offseason acquisitions, you're going to struggle. Here's the whole thing. And I'm not going to besmirch any of the players because I think even the guys that I don't like as hockey players, they're all great people. To a person, to a person. That's why they're greater than the sum of their parts, really. I mean, just high-end individuals, but most hockey players are as opposed to some other sports, honestly. But these are high – I mean, and I can see why the fans don't want to lose players, but you have to look at the big picture. The big picture is you want to win a Stanley Cup, right? If you're looking to win a Stanley Cup, who can you build around this team? Nobody over the age, as far as I'm concerned, of 28 years old need apply. Pajot, uh, Barzell, Bavillier. Bellows, Wallstrom, everybody else in the forwards could be gone. Every single one. Defensively, we're better off. Defensively, Pulak, Pellick, Mayfield, no adoption. I want to chime in, Grump. You say, and again, I think it's important to clarify this. You don't want everybody gone. You're just saying if the right price were to come around, it's not like you'd have to go ahead and yank his leg off in order to make a trade like that. And that's what I think you're saying, right, Grumpy? Yeah, yeah, what I'm saying is I'm taking calls on everybody except – the young guys. And what I mean by calls, if somebody makes an offer, even I'm just, well, I just want to get younger. I feel we need to get younger and less expensive if we want to compete in the future. And if it means, you know, Hey, let's get rid of Josh Bailey for a second round pick. Okay. I'm fine with that. Or for uh, somebody who's a third line, a young third line player with some offensive upside. I'm all for that. And I'm just using him as a name. Brock Nelson's a guy I probably keep around. But I mean, you look at the guys who are making big, big money, like Anders Lee, who you know is going to get diminishing returns. Jordan Everly, diminishing returns. The whole fourth line is garbage. Nobody's going to trade trade for them. And then you look at, you know, your Leo Komarovs, your Michael Del Coles, uh, the Timoshov character who looked wildly out of place. Jarnak, I liked. But you know what? Those guys should be gone off of this roster. You need financial flexibility to move on. If you want to get better and improve your roster, you need financial flexibility. And right now I, we don't have any. I'm going to jump in, Grump. I'm not going to say Timisoff should be going off this roster. We saw one game. Let's pump the brake on a few of those guys, Grumpy Old Man. David, yes, it looks like I'm drinking out of a telescope. This keeps me more than hydrated. It's the reason why every single time once we end the live stream, I've got to run and use the restroom. It's because I drink way too much <laughs> during the videos or during the live stream so I can stay hydrated. And the funny thing is that's just a regular container because TJ's a really tiny guy. So, you know, it's just like a regular little it's, – it's like this bottle right here. Yeah. TJ's so small that that's what that looks like compared to him. No, he does. He has some ridiculously large uh, jug of some sort that he pours untold amounts of liquid into that he swallows up throughout the podcast. Uh, it's embarrassing, honestly. You should get a couple of stickers on that thing. Grumpy, sure, I can get a few stickers, but the only caveat is they have to be anything but the Islanders. As you wear everything but the Islanders paraphernalia on our podcast and live stream, Grumpy, I just need to get a whole bunch of 
random unique sports teams, none of them being the Islanders. That's the only caveat I have. If you're going to make me put stickers on my, I can't, I, I bring this to work. Grump. You know what? Let me backtrack. I bring this to work. Grumpy. I can't be putting a whole bunch of items on that. What do people at the bank say when you come in with some type of Mongo jug like that? Do they say, what's going on? Oh, at the financial center. They probably say Goony Google Gus. Yeah, grumpy at the financial center. Again, I don't have this out where everybody could see it all the time. But again, like I'll hide it under behind some things. Very rarely do they comment on it. We're doing other things. So we don't, I don't, I very rarely do I get comments on the big jug, grumpy. Okay. Something that big. What do you have? Like a billboard in your office? That's the only thing you could hide it by. It's so big. Yes, I do. I have a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of marketing materials that they make me put up in front of it. So, <laughs> yes, Grumpy. Essentially, I do. And here it is too. You mentioned also about hey, you want to go ahead and get younger, Roberto. And we have said this all the time. That's the thing. I love many of our players, but hockey is a sport for young men. And again, the young men are better skaters. When you have more of the younger players on there, they're a little bit more fleet of foot. They might make errors. And again, that's that's the thing, right? You gotta take what you gotta take the good, you also gotta live with the bad. The younger players make more mistakes. And that's what would kill a Barry Trot system. It would drive Barry Trots insane based off of those mistakes. But they skate better. And again, you can't do a full overhaul, grumpy old man, but you slowly need to start integrating. And I think we are doing that. We need to find a consistent line for Jean Gabriel Pajot. Barry Trot says he's working. Barry Trot said he's doing it and trying to get it. We need to stick with Bellows and Wallstrom on a third line. You're right. They got a one-game tryout. That was worth it. And they played well. Well, right? They played well in the one game they were together as a line. And then what does he do? He yanks them and put these other hacks in there. Jarnak was okay. Timoshov was invisible. There's a reason why he couldn't even make Detroit last year, right? Couldn't even make Detroit's roster. I don't care if he played for the – Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not true. He got hurt last year, Grumpy. He was on Detroit's roster, then got hurt. He's, he, he sucks. I watched, I watched the play. He's out of place. He's tiny. He's tiny. He's tiny, and he can't skate. It was like – he was – you know what? He's like Josh Bailey. That's what he's like. Just a sidecar. I watched him. I'm like, what is this guy doing? He's not involved in the play at all. What is he doing out there? At least Jarnak showed some initiative out there. Even Michael Del Cole, as bad as he is, at least he pretended to look like he was trying. This guy didn't know what he was doing. I don't know what he showed to earn a starting spot over Oliver Wallstrom, but whatever it was, it was a failure. Mm. Grumpy old man on his little tirade, on his little monologue. Grumpy uh, David also saying, Grump, does Corey Snyder get some games over Sorokin going forward? He can't be much worse. Man, I don't have the hatred, I guess, for Sorokin that some fans do. I'm expecting him to have a little bit of a time period where he's going to have an adjustment. I thought he's made some spectacular saves, but you could tell. He, he does need to get more comfortable in the net. He needs to get more comfortable with his teammates. It's going to be an adjustment period for him. He's. I think Sorokin has gotten better. Uh, the first game is a throwaway, honestly. Second game, I thought his rebound control was terrible. Uh, last game, he got that under control for the most part. He had one one where it didn't cost us, but it was a bad rebound. Kicked it right out in the slot. He needs to get better at that. Uh, I don't think – you got to remember, bad defensive plays by your buddy Brock, uh, by, you know, below average Anders, by Letty. These things are hurting Sorokin. Uh, they seem to play better in front of Varlamov for whatever reason because I don't think Varlamov has been sensational. I don't think he's had to be this year for the most part. It's the fact that our offense is we're just devoid of talent. 
is, you know, if you're losing games two to one, one nothing all the time, you know, where are you going from that? I, I just, I don't, I don't want to, I, Sorokin needs to play. And if you don't want to play him on the big team, he's got to play in the minors and I play him every single night. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this much. I think they are going to play him there in the big team. He'll probably get, I, probably maybe like a 45, 55 split in favor of uh, Varlamov. I'll tell you, I think I think you're right, Grumpy. I think Sorokin has had to do a lot more work. I think that the defense and the team, maybe they don't feel 100% comfortable around him yet. You see this in a multiple sports. Any sport that has a goalie, soccer is the same way. Really, really defensive-oriented and focused teams have to have that trust and reliability there in their goalie. And I think when you change that person up, maybe they don't practice with them all the time. They haven't known him as long because even we had – Varlamov and Grice. Robin Leonard fit in there seamlessly. No transition period. Sometimes it takes those those newer goalies, maybe if they're not familiarized with the team, it takes them a little bit of time to, for the defense and, and the team around them to get comfortable with them in net. They don't feel like, hey, I've got to stand behind them. You see it happen all the time. Where like Scott Mayfield will jimmy jack himself behind the goalie and Varlamov has to yell at him like, what the hell are you doing back there? This is my job. You go do your job. Actually defend against the net and I will cover anything from going past me. Yeah, and I think an underrated reason, you know, for the communication that could be going on. Remember, the kid's only been in the United States for four months. So they're not speaking Russian out there on the ice to him. I mean, he has to learn. He, he, I'm sure he, he does know some English, but he's not as fluent, I'm certain, as myself anyway. He probably is fluent as, in English as you are, TJ. But, you Hold know, on. Crump, 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 stop. You missed a perfect. You missed a perfect zinger on Butch Grumpy. I'm a little disappointed in you. I already used that zinger against Bush uh, two podcasts ago, I believe. Bush. I'm not going to keep on zinging him more than once on the same thing. I come up with new material every single podcast. You're not going to hear me repeating myself unless I'm talking about Tomasino, Kaliev, and McMichael being way better than Simon, the, the scaredly ghost Holmstrom. <laughs> Back you'll hear every week. Grumpy old man. I tell you, we don't have to hear it every week. We hear it every single live stream, Grump. So we hear it twice a week. Uh, Sal chimes in saying, I know they would have never done this, but I'd love to see Bellos and Wallstrom on the first line with Barzal. Let's give these young, skilled guys a shot to show what they can do, Grumpy. Well, I, I tell you what. I think you. I'm considering that Barry's the defense first guy. That's not happening. I think I said before, I'd love to see Wallstrom on the first line as the trigger man with Everly on the other side. That's what I'd like to see. And I'd like to see Anders Lee playing down to the second line with Croc and uh, Josh Bailey, because I think they, they work together well. And then as your third line, I mean, why not put Pavillier on the third line with Pajot? I think that'd be a good match with Ian Bellows. I mean, I'd love to see those line combinations just to see. The fourth line is a dumpster fire. You could put your Jarnax on there, play Casey, and play Clutterbuck. The $6 million man could go for scraps or whatever it is they do with bionic parts when they're done with them. Uh, and then the other garbage can just filter in as possible. I mean, you could put Ross Johnson out there in the fourth line. I don't think you lose anything, but just let him play his style of play. <laughs> Grumpy old man. Grumpy old man. Uh, he, we also have a comment here from Alexander saying, is there any chance that they move either Nelson or Lee? I'll tell you one thing. Maybe 
all the little Hopies and all the Islander fanboy. I don't consider myself an Islander fanboy, Grump. I know you do, but I must be like the the, the most fringe Islander fanboy you can find because I think I'm more towards the middle, Grumpy. I'll tell you one thing. All these sites and all these 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 sites like Isles on Isles, Eyes on Isles, and all the teams that, oh, the Islanders can do no wrong. They're not talking about it now, but I'll tell you, that Anders Lee, we were talking about it since he signed that contract. That Anders Lee contract is going to be hideous towards the end. It's going to be hideous. It's going to be a toxic asset. You won't be able to get rid of it unless you give up an arm and a leg and maybe uh, your other arm also. Okay. I was talking about it before he resigned. As you remember, I said, I do not want him coming back unless it's on some real bargain, short-term, three years, $5 million per deal. That's the only way I wanted him back because I don't consider him as good a leader as he is. I don't consider him a great hockey player. He's certainly not a first-line player. You can get away with him on the second line, but he doesn't match with Matt Barzell. He just doesn't. I mean, he matches with the Nelsons and the Baileys because they play a similar style. But to fit, to try to jam again, to try to force him, fit that square peg into the round hole, which is the first line, is a mistake. Give Wallstrom a shot. Would you not? I mean, seriously, how would you like to see a game Everly, Wallstrom, and Barzal? I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to guarantee you we'd score some goals that game because that kid is not afraid to shoot the puck. I'll tell you. Shoots the puck. Barzell creates. Wallstrom shoots. I'll tell you one thing. Barzal has shown that he's not afraid to shoot the puck on net this year either, grumpy old man. So I think – I know the power play did score a goal. It feels like eons ago uh, the last time they played the Flyers. That being said, we still have those power play needs. And I'll tell you one thing. Brian Pulak is not doing the job there as a trigger man. He doesn't put the puck on net enough, or when he does, they're kind of just buried right into the goalie. So I wouldn't be opposed to doing anything on that. And the thing is, when Wallstrom was in the lineup, he was getting time on the power play, Grumpy. Hey, Jarnak. Uh, played his first game in the Islander uniform, and somehow he got first power play minute, first line power play units minutes. Are you kidding me? I mean, Wallstrom needs to. Here's the thing: you're going to take your lumps with Wallstrom and Bellows, but you're going to be better in the long run. At some point in time, you have to realize the future of this team is with the younger guys getting up to speed quicker. And think about it. I think I mentioned it last podcast. The fact that you even have a defenseman in that trigger spot tells you all you need to know about the talent level on this team. What's the one? I mean, Ryan Pulak could shoot the puck through the boards. Most of the times that is exactly what he does because he doesn't put it on that. I mean, we need some, and that's one thing that Noah Dobson does extremely well. He puts the puck on net to generate chances. Yeah. Again, like when you put the puck on net, uh, crazy things do happen. Uh, Or, Or if you shoot the puck. Because how many times we don't want to shoot the puck on the power play? Why would we? I mean, you know, we're not the Russian teams from the 1970s who would maybe have 17 shots on goal, but they'd have 12 goals because they were just that damn good. We're not. We just pass around. We'll let Letty and Bailey pass it around to themselves over there. The other, Maybe they're hoping the other team falls asleep and gets so bored with watching them two pass together. But, I mean, the fact that we won't shoot the puck – particularly Letty and Bailey on the power play has hurt us. Well, Grumpy, I will say this much. Nobody will ever be as dominant as those Russian teams. The goal, the goaltending has completely changed. <laughs> so you'll oh, never see a team. You'll never see a team as dominant as back during that time period. You never saw them play. Okay. 
I can say that because I know how old you are. You never saw them play. Those teams were spectacular. Hold on. Grump. Remember. Hold on, Grump. I said you'll never see a team as dominant as the Russians were during that time period because the goaltending has changed. Okay. See, there you go. You put that little caveat, the goaltending. I don't care what the goaltending was. They were absolutely super. Their passing was so good. They, they used to throw it to spots on the ice. So you got to remember, like the Red Army team, they played together like 12, 13 years. They were members of the Army in name only. But those guys were there playing together game after game after game. It's, and they lived – it was like they were in the bubble the whole time for years. They lived in the bubble. That's all they knew was playing hockey. They didn't spend much time. There's a, a, a DVD called Red Army. You should, anybody really watch it. You listen to these players kind of talk about that stuff and how the system was back there. And, you know, it's incredible. You couldn't get away with it in this country or in Canada. They could do that because it was a communist country, right? So they could tell them what to do. But these guys, that's all they did was hockey. Like, they weren't even home with their families, but maybe a month or two a year. I mean, think I, about that. I like, Grumpy Old Man, how you say you can find it on a DVD and not like a movie or like a streaming service. Grumpy, I'm not sure many people have DVDs anymore. Blue I rice. I will tell you, when I talk about the change in goalies or the change in the style of goalies, you can't shoot the puck from the blue line and score a goal like you used to be able to or close to the blue line and score a goal. That doesn't happen anymore. Or you'd like to think that doesn't happen unless there's a crazy fluke. And if it does happen, that goalie is almost the center of attention for screwing it up. That's more what I mean, grumpy old man. I'm not trying to take away what they did. I'm just saying you'll never see a team. I don't care. You could put the Russians, and if even if you change the style and you moved it to today, they wouldn't be, quote, unquote, as dominant. That's all I'm trying to say grumpy uh we got a comment here from brian saying and again this is okay good his face popped up i want to make sure it did this is a comment that you hear often why do we feel like we have to creep into the playoffs when we can't win the cup and this is a thing some people like this approach remember the rangers fans were throwing an absolute fit was it three years it had to be three years ago now grumpy old man they were on the edge they were actually in the seventh or eighth spot for the playoffs and the Rangers at the trade deadline said, we are going to go in full rebuild mode. And their fans pitched an absolute fit. And look at where they are now. And again, I don't think the Rangers are a completed product, but they have a lot of offensive talent and they have a lot of pieces they can build around going forward. That's a team you're excited about if you're a fan. Right. I mean, you know, as soon as they get rid of Johnny Rara, the college coach, you're going to see an improvement in them. Yeah, now they good. are extremely young and they're not good defensively yet. But the whole thing is, they came to the realization, you know what? With this team, we're not going to – with this veteran-laden team, we're not going to compete for the Cup. And the reason why Ranger fans were upset is because the Rangers have always been let's buy the next great thing type team, right? Let's make sure that, you know, load up the team with free agents. And they didn't like that because it's not something they're used to. In the long run, they're going to benefit from that. Look, If you look at the R2 teams, who would you realistically want to be? Because for me – it's the Rangers. I mean, they're all young for the most part. They And they have no problem cutting ties with guys like uh, uh, D'Angelo. Yeah, Grub, I actually wanted to comment about that, right? Now, speaking of D'Angelo, did you see what Shosturkin did when he got off the ice after their win yesterday? I think it was a win. Did you see what he did to Panarin? He got off the ice. He was the first person off the ice. And he pretend, maybe it was at the end of the – I don't know. Maybe it was the end of the game. He pretended like he was going to punch him. And they're smiling and joking around. And I'm like, holy crap. I'm going to tell you one thing. Could you only imagine – I'll tell 
D'Angelo will never play for the Rangers organization up at the Rangers level ever again. I can promise you that much. When you have those type of jokes going on and they're spilling over to where you're being televised and it's still being shown, I can tell you one thing. His rapport in the locker room is zero. He will never play for that Rangers up for the Rangers organization ever again. Yeah, 100% agreement. And, you know, I just want to comment on Brian's comment. Um, he's right. Do you just want to slither into the playoffs? But I, I can see why the team wants to do that. And I can see why fans like it. You got to remember, the Islanders have been bad for a long, long, long time. So you, for a lot of these fans, and that's even longer than from a, a place long ago and a, uh, a long time ago and a place far, far away. That's how long it's been since we've been good, since Star Wars came out, right? So it's grumpy, grumpy. It's and a, and a, a oh, grumpy. I, I messed it up. And a galaxy far, far away. Is yeah, right. whatever it is. I don't know. I haven't watched Star Wars in a while. They haven't made a good movie since 1983. So, you know, we're just going to leave that as it is, right? Uh, but you think about it, right? Uh, when you've been a bad franchise for a long time, any type of success you look at, and a lot of a lot of these fans are young, right? Most of the fans who are on social media and stuff, they're not old like the grumpy old man. No, they're mostly young kids, spoiled millennials, you know, children, or whatever they call the new ones. I don't even millennials is kind of old now too. What's the next group? I don't even know. Stop, Grump. Gen Xers. Gen, Gen Xers is what they call them, I believe, Grumpy. What does that even mean? I don't know. Do I, I don't even care, honestly. What does it mean? Just sounds like a made-up name for young, spoiled kids to me. Born uh, in the 2000s, I believe, early 2000s. Okay. So, in other words, the backs of their heads are still soft, okay? What do they know? Nothing, which is fine. I mean, eventually they'll get there. But they've never known any success except for, you know, the one year we made the playoffs with two years with Tavares. Uh, you know, that's all they know. And now they see Barry Trotz come in. We put up a couple of uh, – you know, we make the playoffs in a couple of years, get to the Eastern Conference, Conference Finals, and they think that everything is going to be great with the world. But you know what? Look further than your nose – Try to look four or five years down the line. That's where you need to look as this team as an organization really needs to look at. Grump, grump, grump. I want to interrupt you here. I'm going to play devil's advocate, right? The only reason why I don't 100% believe in this, and again, this is just devil's advocate, if you creep into the playoffs, there have been crazier situations where eight seeds or seven seeds have won the Stanley Cup before. I mean, think about it. When the Washington Capitals won with Barry Trotz, they were not a dominant team in that regular season. They were on the fritz, grumpy old man. It wasn't like they were really, oh, I'm, I'm worried we're going to make the playoffs or not. But I'm just saying, in hockey, you can see crazier things. And in the playoffs, anything can happen. Yeah, they weren't an eight seed, though. I mean, they had. I'm, I'm saying they, they were towards the bottom. They weren't a team that hey, we're winning a one or two seed. They weren't. They weren't as dominant as they were in the regular seasons in the past. There, that last year, Barry Trotz was in Washington. Yeah, they were a lot like the Islanders when we first won the Cup in 1980. Okay, where we were the dominant team in the league for a couple of years prior, right? And then, but we didn't get over the hump. And then we had a little bit of a lull in that season that we wound up winning the Cup, but we turned it on in the playoffs when Butch Coring came in. The rest is history, right? But that's what you see. Sometimes a team takes a little bit of a step back, but then they're able to ramp it up to the playoffs. And that's what happened with Washington. They were the best team in the league for a, quite a few years and couldn't get it done in the playoffs, right? And then in Trotz's last year, uh, they finally won it. Look at Tampa. Tampa was the same thing. They weren't as dominant last year as they were the two years prior, but they were obviously the best team in hockey. And then they come in and they win the Stanley Cup when they were obviously the best. And here's the thing. They're still the best team in hockey. 
Grumpy old man here. We also have a comment here from Dave saying, how do we make trades when we had players on waivers that no teams took? Maybe big contracts, but some teams keep salary. Uh, we had, I don't understand the question. Yeah, Grumpy. I, I was about to how say, how do we make trades when we had players on waivers that no team took? Well, you're not going to be able to trade those guys, obviously. Maybe big contracts, but some teams keep salary. I guess they're saying some teams stay up against the salary cap, uh, the salary cap, their uh, maximum. Well, you have to have a certain amount of money, a minimum amount. You do have to have that. The whole thing is who's going to take any of our big salary players? Is there really any big salary player on this team? Yes. Yes, hold on, Grump. Yes, that cleared waivers for certain. There was Andrew Ladd is an absolute machine, grumpy old man. I don't know why every single team was not frothing at the mouth at the opportunity to get Andrew Ladd. I'm talking about guys on our roster who's currently playing that cleared waivers. That's what I'm saying. They all cleared waivers because they're garbage. The joke works better, grumpy, when I don't have to explain it. My goodness, I didn't realize you were joking. Sorry, Dave. (laughs) <laughs> no, I was joking, grumpy old man. Okay, here you go. Yes, Timishoff had concussion issues last year. So I, I knew Timishoff got hurt. I wasn't sure as to how he got hurt or what the injury was, but Timishoff did get hurt last year, grumpy. That's why you said oh, he was playing there in the A. No, grumpy. He was playing up there in the NHL and he got hurt pretty early in the season. Okay. The way he skated the other night, it looks like he still has a concussion. So, you know, that's an easy line. Bam, just go ahead. That's a softball because that's exactly what he looked like. He looked like he was stoned out there on the ice. I figured, Grumpy. Anytime, I, like I could tell, it's we've been we've been live streaming, or I guess we've been live streaming just relatively recent, just for about a year. We've been podcasting, Grumpy, now for four plus years. I can tell just based off of the uh, the sound in your voice what the next move of the Grumpy old man's gonna be. So, <laughs> when you're a, when you're a skilled semi professional such as myself, that, those that's that's a can of corn right there. That is easy, uh, Grumpy. Thanks, you got a nice brush. Okay, Grump, we got a comment here from Sal. It's absolutely insane that they have exiled Josh Hosang. He could easily play over most of our wingers. I really like how Lou has changed the team's culture, which has been terrible for years. Um, But his roster decisions have been questionable. I think this is a great point, Grumpy old man. I think that that Lou definitely did change the culture. He changed it with bringing in Barry Trotz. He changed it. We were laughing stock. He brought legitimacy to the Islanders. For certain he did. Now, as we're looking further on down the road, we're a legitimate organization. Now we have to look next steps, right? It's about that natural progression. If we say, you know what, I'm happy and content no longer being a laughingstock, you're never going to progress into being a real Stanley Cup contender. Lou's done it in the past. I'm just not sure with the way our team's constituted, we're going to be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender as the older we get. And Grump, I want to ask one more question to you too. Did you have a chance? I told you to do some homework. Did you have a chance to listen to Don Cherry's recent podcast where he was talking about the raw skill and talent that Josh Hosang had in juniors and how he thought it was better than Connor McDavid's? Did you have a chance to listen to that podcast bit? You know, I didn't listen to it because you asked me to, so I definitely was not going to do it. I believe you if you tell me that. Uh, I've always felt Josh Hosang should have gotten a shot with this team. Absolutely. They punished him for whatever reason. I don't know. Uh, Why not give the kid a shot? He had natural chemistry with Brock Nelson. He'd be a perfect winger with Brock Nelson. When they played together, oh, those many years ago, they were really, they really gelled. I would love to see a line of Josh Hosang, Croc Nelson, and the king of the secondary assist. I think they'd work very well together. That said, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Lou Lamarillo has changed the culture of the team, without a doubt. 
no matter you might hear me bag on Lou for his personnel decisions, which have been bad on Barry for some of the players that he plays and doesn't play, which have been bad at times, but without a doubt, they've changed the way the league and the NHL looks at the Islanders. No doubt about it. We have a few different line combinations, Grump. I'm just going to float them on screen really quickly here. Bill Brady saying Wallstrom, Bellows, and Nelson. And the- <laughs> Grumpfield no. is already shaking his head. And then, and again, I think I always wanted Wallstrom with Barzal just because Barzal can skate. He opens up those abilities. You want that true sniper on that line. Brian says Barzal with Bavillier and Wallstrom. Again, I'm not opposed to any line where you're throwing Wallstrom into a, uh, is a top six forward. Now, that's, what, that's where it needs to be. He doesn't need to be on the third line. Sorry. Yeah, doesn't Bavillier, doesn't Bavillier play the the? Doesn't he also play left wing though? Yeah, Wallstrom's a right wing. What's your uh, point? I think Wallstrom's a left wing. Uh, you know, Grumpy. He's played so few games; it doesn't matter <laughs> as of right now. I thought. I, I, thought I, think, he, I think he plays left wing. I think he plays left. I could be mistaken, but I think he plays left wing. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd love to see Wallstrom with Barzal. Because Wallstrom shoots the puck. He's un- he, his thing. He doesn't have a conscience when it comes to that. You get him the puck, and that's the thing. Matt Barzal, what happens? He draws attention to him. You pass it to this kid. He's shooting the puck, and he's shooting it on net. No problem. I'd love to see that line. Well, maybe not Bavillier, but Wallstrom with Barzal. Wallstrom's a right wing grumpy. I didn't think okay. he changed anything up. Was a right wing through juniors, right wing out there overseas. So, yes. Uh, Bridget- you got to remember. I'm a lefty, so I got to get my lefts and rights. <laughs> yeah, Grumpy. Uh, Bruce Kings also chimes in saying the Islanders are missing Boychuk's veteranship. Um, no. To be honest, hold Wait, Grump. To be honest, he blocked a lot of shots too. Would help Sorokin out uh, a little bit. I will tell you one thing. Do I think we miss maybe the veteran leadership? Uh, not so much. Do I think we miss his ability to block shots? Absolutely. You will not catch me saying a lot of great things about Johnny Boychuk towards the end of his career. But I'll tell you one thing. He was smart. He had a great hockey IQ, and he blocked a hell of a lot of shots. And I think towards the end, he couldn't skate. My God, he looked like a turnstile. But anytime you had anybody a speed, like a forward skating around the, you know, the edge of the ice, man, oh, man. It was like, hey, you know, uh, you know um, Boychuk would get a few skates or a few like uh, actual strides in on his back skate, and man, oh man, the, the forwards already passed him. I, there's a lot of things we don't miss about Johnny Boychuk, though. Yeah, you know I love Johnny Boychuk. Absolutely love him, warrior for certain. Uh, but his the game kind of, you know, he was finished. I mean, even when he played last year, I don't think we miss his veteran leadership. We have Andy Green, who's a veteran leader out there, who was a team captain previously with the Devils. We have John uh, Nicoletti who's a veteran out there. The whole thing is if you put, if you're playing Johnny Boychuk, who are you going to sit? You know, that's my whole thing. Who are you going to sit? Noah Dobson. To me, within, within the next year, he's going to be the best defenseman on the Islanders. Within the next year, without a doubt in my mind, he'll take over as the number one defenseman from Ryan Pulak, who will probably trade for a bag of pucks so he can re-sign Casey's Ezekiel's. Okay, Grump, we got another comment here saying either Bailey or Varlamov in the expansion draft. I'm going more in on Varlamov. Again, I we've talked about it. I'm just not sure with Varlamov, right? They have to protect one goalie at least. They don't have to actually protect Sorokin. So it leaves down to, hey, who would they protect, Varlamov or Schneider? I, I think with the way Varlamov plays, I think teams would, I think an expansion team would draft him. I don't think we expose Varlamov, though. I think it's all about Sorokin. In regards 
to keeping Varlamov, Sorokin has to be comfortable. He has to get he has to get better first of all. He's got to get much better before the end of the year before you dump Varlamov. As everyone knows, I'm not was never not a fan of Varlamov's contract, but now that he's here, I think he's somebody who's helping to transition Sorokin. And it all depends on the development of Sorokin. If he gets there faster, yes. Slower, you need to hold him. You also talked, Grumpy Old Man, about the transition for Sorokin. Again, he didn't live in the United States, lived over in Russia his entire life. This is It's an easier transition when you have somebody who speaks your native tongue that's playing the same exact position that you spend almost all of your hours with. That helps. For certain, it does. So again, like that, I think definitely does help the transition for certain, as you mentioned. That's the type of keen amical, uh analysis you get from the grumpy old man, not just what goes on in the ice. Things off the ice that also help players develop. Mm. Grumpy, we also have a comment here from Alexander saying, if Panarin signed, Lee would have never been back. Oh, my God, that's true. This is the thing. Do you remember what Lamarillo said? If we signed Panarin, Lee still would have come back. That's what he said. I, I don't believe I think he's lying through his teeth, through his through his false teeth. I think he's lying through them because you know those are not standard issue. So I'm going to say he's lying about that. Uh, I wanted Panarin so bad on this team. I thought he would have been absolutely perfect with Barzal. Instead, we got stuck with below average Anders. I'll tell you this, Grumpy. I, I think you're right. There was no way if we signed Panarin, we wouldn't have had the cap space to bring in Anders Lee. That's just that's just all coach and GM talk right there. Again, like when you listen to that type of stuff, you were able to discern the information and say, there's no way in hell that's real. What do you think of us born yesterday? Come on now, Lou. Um, we also go ahead. And another thing, I just want to piggyback on that real quick. You know, the whole thing was yes, Anders Lee is a good leader, but I think this team is Considering how many vets we have, this team is filled with leadership. And then you let one of the young guys grow into the role. That's that's what that's how you do it optimally. On all the, all the other teams, the best player on the team is the captain, not on this team. Uh, grumpy old man. Uh, David also saying, "Why the hell was below average out there in three on three in overtime?" I was in shock. I, he 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 does take a lot of overtime shifts in the three on three play. Um, because, I, I was shocked. Hold on. Grump. I was shocked that he was out there in three and three play. I was more shocked when we were on the penalty kill that we put Brock Nelson out there as opposed to Jean Gabriel Pajot or Casey Sezikas when they had a four on three power play. That's what I was more shocked about. Here's the thing below average, thank you, David, is uh, he's one of Trotz's boys. Croc, Bailey, all the pieces of garbage that I hate are his boys. Okay, Grump, you could say Brock's off to a bad start. He's not a piece of garbage, though. Come on, Grump. He's played like garbage this year, so I can say that. He improved the most, and I'll say it again, of any Islander player in the past, he's improved the most under Barry Trotz. I mean, he's improved as a player probably 500% because he was trash before then. He gave you 20 soft goals a year. He's been better. But this year, he's been absolutely garbage. There's no way you can – hey, bless you. I saw you sneeze there. Thanks. Uh, but I'm going to tell you what. Let's just call a spade a spade. He's not been good this year, okay? The whole second line has been invisible. He's the leader of the second line. Are you trying to tell me that without Bavillier, that line is invisible? 
I'll tell I'll tell you this again. Like Bavillier's streaky. I think Brock Nelson has times where he's streaky, and it's the same exact thing with Josh Bailey. And again, like I know it's been a revolving door. They've been kind of mixing things up, things up a little bit. But in general, our offense, our top six has been lackluster, except the name of one player, uh, Grumpy Old Man. You know that is. Uh, Bush also saying here it's a shame uh, Taves and Pulak would have been ripping it up together on a power play, especially. I'll tell you one thing. I. I it's a shame that, you know, Devontae is out right now with injury. I still think he's going to tear it up in Colorado this year. Absolutely. And here's the thing. I don't I don't like Pulak on the power play only because he's the trigger man. If you want to play two defensemen, fine. But as a trigger man, I don't like it. But I would have loved to have Dotson quarterback in your first power play, Taves quarterback in your second, or if you want to flip-flop at either one. That I really like because I don't like Letty on the power play. He's not a threat to shoot the puck. Occasionally he'll shoot it, but for the most part, he's pass only. And then and you play him out there with Bailey. You got two guys who all they do is they just pass the puck back and forth. When you don't have any threats to shoot, you're so much easier to defend. Mm. Grumpy, you got a comment here also from Brian saying, guys like Lee age bad because he's not a great skater to begin with, and he's going to be slow as hell in two or three years. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. Man, oh, man, that keeps me up sometimes at night thinking, oh, God, what's Anders Lee going to look like three years from now if he's still on the Islanders? Oh, God. Listen to my listen to the grumpy old man talk about this two and three years ago. I saw this coming. This is Andrew Ladd 2.0. That's what that's what this is. Everyone's going to be crying about, you know, everyone rips Andrew Ladd. Well, you also at least Andrew Ladd's won something in his career. What's Anders Lee ever won? Nothing. And he's going to be he's going to age a lot worse than Andrew Ladd. A lot worse. And going back to the 3 on 3 why he was out there in a 3 on 3. I mean, you saw on the breakaway where he fed the pass against Philadelphia to Barzal. If that's not the worst skating stride I've ever seen, I mean, seriously, Stretch those legs out to go get that puck. Yeah, you're talking about he turned the puck over, Grump. Yeah, but I, I well, do. No, know. I'm talking about, yeah, he did turn the puck over. But when he was driving down, he wound up feeding Barzal for the goal. I, I watched him skate past the guy, and he almost got caught by a guy who had his back to him and was flat-footed, and he just about <laughs> got caught. Frank with a joke coming in saying, Pulak is reminding me of Marc-Andre Bergeron with his inability to hit the net. <laughs> well. The one thing is Pulak plays defense, and he does shoot the puck hard, which is kind of fun. And you hear that thing smack off the boards. It is kind of exciting. Uh, grumpy old man. Um, if NHL games keep getting canceled, a shutdown will happen around February 13th or 14th. I don't know. I, that sounds I think, like a prediction. I was about to say, who knows, right? Like as you see a lot of these COVID things popping up and a lot of these COVID protocols, you don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. They might have like, hey, we got to put like a temporary pause on the season. That'd be interesting. I'd be interested to see what happens with that because you can't be – the idea was you have this jam-packed schedule with hockey every single night. And again, like obviously with all the COVID, that's not going to happen. It, you wonder later on, are they just going to extend the season because there are going to be so many issues with COVID? Or are they just going to go ahead and try to jam, jam the schedule in, condensed, in a condensed amount of time? Yeah, I don't want to see the league get shut down because then it penalizes teams, like teams like us, for instance, because, you know, we had to miss games because other teams have COVID, and now you want to shut the league down where we're a healthy team? I don't think – I just don't think that's right. And then we're going to have to pound a bunch of back-to-backs down the stretch? Uh, no, I don't want to see that. I mean, don't want to yeah. see Grump here also, Scott, and again, this is an astute point. He says Mayfield does get the puck on goal a lot of the time, along with Dobson. That's the most important thing. Got to get the puck on the net. And I think, you know, even though Scott Mayfield shot, 
man-to-man is one of the weakest parts of his game. He does put the puck on that. And he's really improved in that aspect of his game. He wouldn't even shoot before. Now he's shooting. It's it's noticeable he's shooting the puck more. And Adam Pelk is also shooting the puck more. And I only say that because I saw his shot numbers and I saw Bailey had less than Adam Pelk, which is embarrassing. Honestly, your defensive, your key defensive defenseman has more shots on goal than a guy who plays on the first line. It's Thank you. It's de- yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely uh it's not encouraging to see signs like that, Grumpy. Uh, Brian also commenting and said, let's be honest, the Islanders don't have a crazy pool of prospects compared to other teams. I think our defensive prospects are loaded. Uh, offensively, our forward group, yikes. Uh, well, we that have a lot of talent. Right, that's what happens when you draft Simon Holmstrom's in the first round. They don't have high-end talent, and these are the guys you're picking. You don't pick a team to be a ham and egger. You should reach for high-end talent. That's what you should. You want the best player. Not some guy, oh, well, he plays a well-rounded game. He looks like he'll translate into a third-line winger. Well, you know what? That's what you're going for in the first round? How are you going to get guys who can put the puck in the net? Here you go, Grumpy. A comment here from Brian saying, uh, the Rangers are the youngest team in the league. I didn't know that. I knew they were young. I didn't know they are the youngest. They're going to be dangerous in a year or two. That's right, man. I'll tell you. They have so much offensive talent. You just hope it's not a Edmonton. Okay, well. Actually, I would hope it's an Edmonton 2.0. I hate the Rangers. Um, but, you know, if you're a Ranger fan, you hope it's not like an Edmonton 2.0 to where they've got all this offensive ability. I will tell you one thing. I think they have the goalie, which Edmonton I don't think is really even ever able to find, you know, their rock back there in net. The defense, though, is is something that I think they're going to have to continue to work on there for the Rangers. Same exact problem the Edmonton Oilers have had for years, though. Yeah, I think they match up defensively just like the Oilers do. Uh of course, the Oilers have a couple of supremely talented players in McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh, what you wouldn't kill for one of those guys. Dreisaitl, do you know that he was picked fourth? Do you know who was picked fifth in that draft? Michael Del Cole. Boy, oh, boy. Well, they always said, Grumpy Old Man, it was a four-person draft. And the, the, I remember when when uh, Leon Dreisaitl came out uh, and it was his draft class year, they called him the German Gretzky. And I'll tell you one thing, I'm not sure he's a German Gretzky, but he's not too damn far off of it, Grump. He's pretty darn good. He's really good. McMichael and he, are they're just lighting up the league. You know that Connor McDavid and Leon Saddle together have more points. Uh, I think maybe it was more goals or maybe it was more points than the Islanders have scored all season long. The entire Islanders team. I think they have more points in the entire Islanders forward group or something. It was a crazy stat like that. I don't have it off the top of my hand. But I was like, man, oh, man. Again, that's exciting hockey to watch. But the Oilers have to prioritize the defense because as an Oilers fan, you have to be shooting yourself in the foot and just pissed off that you could never get the final piece. You can never get the goalie and the defense sorted. You know what Edmonton didn't do? They didn't wait until Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl got to the end of their entry-level deal before signing them to a huge extension, they were proactive and signed those guys long-term. So in the long-term run, you wind up saving money because you're not paying future dollars, right? You're paying past dollars. Should the Islanders have done that with Matt Barzal? Probably. Did they? No. You look at what he's going to get paid uh, two years from now, $10 million a year. So what's the starting price on your next contract negotiation? 11 12 a year? It, well, I'll be honest with you. He was going to get that anyway. He's going to get a huge contract, grumpy old man. Anytime you give like a bridge deal like that, 
it was all the intent to go ahead and get paid more towards this, you know, this next contract. Uh, Brian chiming in saying, the last time I was excited about this team was when we snagged Captain Canada at the deadline. I was excited this year during the playoffs. We were playing some good hockey. I can tell Brian is a longtime fan of the team with that comment. I like Brian. We, he and I think alike. He's probably not 12 years old. Looking at his picture, I'm going to say he's not 12 years old. <laughs> Grumpy old man. That's, uh yeah, it, that didn't work out for us, but yeah, I was excited about that deal too. I was about to say that that certainly did not work out for us, grumpy old man. He didn't want to be here. Didn't want to be here. Yeah, yeah, it was unfortunate, right? That was probably the biggest trade deadline move I think the Islanders have ever made in an acquisition of bringing in legitimate talent. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not even going to scan my memory bank for that comment right now. <laughs> Which going was pretty good. Oh, grumpy old man. I got a comment here from David saying, in 2018-19, the season was enjoyable, but gave fake hope to the to, to the lackluster Lou. Gave those horrible contracts to Lee and Eberle. Uh, the Nelson contract was good, but if the team played poorly that year, Lou would have dumped those three at the deadline and rebuilt. That right. Honestly, that... I didn't want, if you remember, TJ, the only guy that I even considered resigning was Eberle. And it was only because of his chemistry with Barzal. That was the only reason. I did not want Lee back. And I didn't want Nelson back, honestly. Now, I probably made a mistake on Nelson. But I'm looking at the fact that you give Nelson a six-year deal, he's going to be 33 when that contract expires. Is he going to still be performing at 33? No, he's not. Certainly not to the level that he was last year. Maybe this year's level. He could hope to be as bad as he is this year. That's maybe high spot. Anders Lee, I mean – Anyone with a brain knew that that was a bad deal, just like when they signed Andrew Ladd, right? Everyone knew after they lost Ocposo and Nielsen that they signed Ladd. Everyone knew that that was a bad deal. Everyone. But they did it anyway. Sometimes, why do GMs do this? It's sometimes better just take a step back and regroup. You don't throw silly money at players who are just really not that good. Well, you wonder, grumpy old man. It's because they want to keep their job. So they're trying to do, and especially if they, if you know, if ownership has expectations, like, hey, we saw you did this, we kind of expect this to be the trajectory of the team. If you don't fulfill that, you're going to be without a job. So you know, they might have selfish purpose, selfish purposes, grumpy old man, but that's what they do. It. Um, you, listen, you listen to some of you listen to some of you know the pundits, guys who cover the Islanders, who say, you know, well, we couldn't have lost our captain two years in a row. Well, why not? Why not? So you're going to overpay for a guy who's not worth it? And then you're, you know, what kind of sense does that make? I think fans are a lot more forgivable than you think. I don't think fans could care less if Anders Lee was not re-signed. I will tell you one thing. I know you're talking about Arthur Staple, grumpy old man. So I know that's what you're talking about. It's just, it's just a dumb comment. It's just dumb. And, and if GMs think like that, first of all, Lou doesn't have a short leash. I mean, he's going he's gonna to go as long as he wants. So it's not like he had to do anything to keep his job. He should have done a rebuild. I could see the first year, okay, we want to get familiar with the players. You should have known right away, okay, this guy's 29. This, these guys are all on the tail end of their effective years. Those are not guys you want to bring back long term. Grumpy old man. Uh, you, you cut me off. I lost my train of thought. Anyway, we'll just move here on to the next comment here. Tom Baffy saying, Don Cherry is fun, but nuts. I'll tell you one thing. There's nothing more I enjoy than Don Cherry. Don Cherry is just a fun, happy guy. And, man, you, I love the energy and the passion he brings. I'll tell you, even though things unfortunately ended the way they did with him at Hockey uh, hockey Night in Canada, I'll tell you, those suits and his personality, I, there will never be another like Don Cherry. 
I enjoyed watching Hockey Night in Canada. I enjoyed watching Coach's Corner. I haven't watched it since he's been gone. I mean, he was Coach's Corner. Uh, and, you know, for a guy in his 80s, he's still got his wits about him. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I loved his ties. I loved his outfits. I loved his passion for the game and for Canada, honestly. He was all about Canada. He ripped guys from other countries. You know, I remember the Sadeen Switch sisters getting ripped by him. And, you know, he was just, you know, balls to the wall, non-apologetic. I loved him. We got to count. Yeah, I'll tell you. There'll never be another grumpy. Uh, Bruce saying, um, if people continue not to understand why the Islanders didn't give Hosang another, quote, in quotes, chance, then you don't know the Islanders' general manager. I'll tell you this. This is the biggest the biggest question I've had about all of this. I, you know, at some point, and I know maybe you just want to hold on to the asset, why the hell do you keep resigning if you don't have an, a plan to give him, quote-unquote, another chance? At some point in time, it's just better to go ahead and let the young man go. You're not going to get anything for him. He clears waivers about every single time. What, he cleared wa- waivers twice now? Uh, nobody's going to trade for him. Just let him go. If you didn't have a plan on actually utilizing him or even giving him an invite to camp, why the hell did you resign him? That's the biggest thing. That's the question I have. If you don't want to give him another chance, whatever. But why do you keep dragging this out? My whole thing is they never gave him a chance. It's not another chance. He never got a chance with this current regime. No, he did not. He never. He never got a shot. You know what it's like. You know what it's like, grumpy old man. It's like a. It's like a. It's like a jealous girlfriend where it's like I don't want to let this guy go, but you know what I mean. It's like what, what's the point? You're not happy together. It's not going to work out long term. Just let it go. What does Michael Del Cole bring that Josh Hosang can't bring? He brings more defensive structure. He brings more of that consistency that they look for. That's what he brings, Grump. You know the answers to that. That's why he likes a guy like Michael Del Cole more than Josh Hosang. Come on now. He brings an empty score sheet. That's what he brings to the table. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. No offensive upside. No defensive strength. Nothing. He's just – he's a Timoshov. Oh, gosh. We could we we put a line of Timoshovs out there. Gosh, grumpy. Uh, British King's also saying here, uh, Martin is a softie now. We need Johnson on the fourth line. You're not going to see me arguing against that. Ross Johnston, I don't like what they've done to his game. They've neutered him. They've effectively neutered him. Yes, he plays a team style now. But you know what? I loved it when Ross Johnson was running all over the ice, running people and getting into fights. No one messed with us when Ross Johnson – they still really don't mess with us when he's on the ice. Uh, and I think he'd be perfect for the fourth line. I mean, how many minutes are they getting now? They don't even deserve the minutes they get, honestly. Why not give it some fresh blood? And I said, like I said last week, you want to bring all these young guys? You want to bring your Jarnaks, your Del Coles, your Timoshavs, make them the fourth line. Sit the fourth line. That's how you send a message to the rest of the locker room. Yeah. No passengers. Gotcha, Grumpy. Uh, okay, I made a misstatement there. I misspoke there. Uh, Sorokin apparently does have to be protected first-year pro, must play two-year pro years. Okay, so I guess Sorokin does have to be protected then. No, he does not. Sorokin does not have to be protected. The only goalie we have to protect would be Varlamov or uh, Schneider. He, he does not have to be protected. Okay, Grumpy. I was about to say, or maybe, maybe, maybe Tommy meant to say Sorokin does not have to be protected. First year plow must play two professional years. Okay, that would make sense. Um, again, Grumpy, uh, Andrew, uh, the uh, the expansion draft is far off there for a certain Grumpy old man. Not uh, that far off. Not that far off. 
obviously they have to be proactive about it and thinking, um, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself too far, grumpy old man. I think there's other things. I think the season obviously is paramount though. Yes. Uh, here we go. Please expose Bailey Lee and Everly in the expansion draft. We could throw them all in a number one pick. If you take all three. Oh, Sal. <laughs> okay. How much money is that? Five, 10, $17 million. That gets us out of cap jail. Well, we have a whole bunch of comments also in the comment section here on Facebook, Grumpy Old Man, of a whole bunch of older retired players. Like, for example, Frank saying, hey, Lou needs to sign back Turner Stevenson out of retirement. And Brian John commenting, Yashin just signed a two-year deal with the Islanders. I love it. I love it. I'll tell you what, Yashin today is probably a better skater than Anders Lee. Okay, yeah, Tommy Tommy did elaborate on that. Yes, so he meant to say did not. Uh, players with less than two full years of pro experience do not have to be protected in the expansion draft. I knew Tommy was smarter than you. Hey, Grumpar, I see the comments. I'm like, maybe I did make a mistake. I don't remember the rules, the exact nuances of the expansion draft. I thought it was two years, but I wasn't 100% sure off the top of my head. Whenever you question yourself, just come to the grumpy old man. He'll help you out. Oh, Grump, is that what it is? Yes. Oh goodness, grumpy old man! I'm just searching through comments here. Grumpy I never thought man. I never thought I'd have a have a Turner Stevenson uh, discussion at all on uh, the New York Islanders Never Say Die podcast. Oh gosh, I'll tell you. Here it is. Brish also saying Pulak right now has inconsistencies of uh, getting the puck on net. I think they should hire a shooting coach. Al McGinnis would be perfect. LOL. Yeah, I think McGinnis is coaching some other organization, so that's not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, I think I've even said that before. Ryan Kessler uh, played with the Canucks years back. He had issues earlier in his career. And then one summer, all he did was work on shooting all summer. And he came and he was actually very accurate after that. And his career kind of took off. He was always a guy I loved to see on the Islanders. He was, Ryan Kessler was always my type of player. I loved him as a player. I would love to see him with the Islanders. Mm, grumpy old man. I was about to say, Ryan Kessler did have a lot of good years there in Vancouver, and he was another guy. The When he got old, man, oh, man, did Ryan Kessler, and he had some injury problems too when he was younger, but man, oh, man, when he got old, he got old in an absolute hurry, and his career was over like it that. Was, it was the hip injury that really did him in. It was the hip injury and that torn labor in his hip. That really that was, that was pretty much the end for him. But I'll tell you what, even after that, he could still play. And he was a blood and guts leader, too. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Ryan Kessler was a hell of a two-way forward, too. He could also play defense. He had the ability to score. He could also play defense. And he was another guy that you hated to play against, but you would love to have him on your team. He's a guy that came up in the Vancouver system as a third, fourth-line guy. They started him you know, on the fourth line. Then he moved, graduated to the third line. He did defensive assignments and uh, – uh, killing penalties, and then he elevated himself to be the second-line center. The Sedin sisters, Henrik was the center on that line, and Keschler was the center on the second line. And to me, that was th- that was there in the playoffs. That was a line you had to watch out for. I'll never forget when uh, how great he was in, the, I think it was the Western Conference Finals against Nashville, I think. Nashville or San Jose, one of them. And he wound up getting hurt, and that wound up hurting him and losing the cup in 2011. But he was fantastic. He he would he would have been playoff MVP if he would have stayed healthy. 
Oh, uh, yeah. I'll tell you, Grumpy. You know, a lot of players play with those immense amount of injuries there in the playoffs. And it's like, just like with Pelic, like, oh, yeah, actually, he broke his arm in game five <laughs> against the Lightning. And he's back out there later. Uh, another comment here from Tommy saying, teams don't win on talent alone. Many agreements go into a successful player and a successful team. Absolutely. You have to have talent, though. And, and again, I don't think Tommy's denying that for certain. Again, you had to have talent. Having a good coach, though, is important. That's why I always believe Barry Trotz was able to win there in Washington because they had the talent. They had that offensive ability. You have future Hall of Famers on that team. With the Islanders, uh, you know, as of right now, I can't say anybody that's definitely a, definitively a future Hall of Famer on the, on the roster right now. Barry Trotz came into Washington as to a team that needed guidance. They had all the talent in the world but they couldn't do the job in the playoffs. And for the first number of years that Trotz were there, it wasn't any different. It wasn't until the last year that he was there that Ovechkin had full buy-in, I guess, or whatever, but the team kind of gelled that one year. But always remember, Washington really didn't go out of their way to bring him back. So what was, what was the organization's overall thoughts about Trotz and his system? That they didn't, they didn't go out of their way to bring him back, and they put Tard Reardon of all people in there as the head coach. I mean, Todd Reardon will be a guy who doesn't find another NHL coaching job, a head coaching job eh, very soon. I could tell you that much grumpy old man. Uh, comment here also from Tom White saying, sometimes we try to get too fancy in the ozone, keeping things simple and just putting pucks and bodies on net is key to scoring. We're offensively challenged and we need to simplify things. I've always said it. Um, Anders Lee, really benefits when he's able to park himself in front of the net. He wins those down low battles. And when we throw the puck towards the net is when he's most is when he's most successful. He's able to redirect those pucks, even if they're slightly off target. He's able to redirect those pucks and get them on target. And he scores goals like that. That's why I believe when he played with Barzal, it's not always a good fit. Barzal is trying to go ahead and create more with skating on the periphery and trying to create those passes where a guy like Dobson throwing a puck towards the net or Scott Mayfield throwing a puck towards the net, that feeds right into Andrews Lee's ability. Matt Barzal is built for the current day NHL. Andrews Lee is built for yesteryear. I mean, those are just facts. With the penalties that are called now, what does, you know, Matt Barzell kind of can skate around unscathed for the most part. Besides, he's a fantastic skater. He's going to draw how many penalties with all those stick fouls that they call nowadays. Some of the penalties that are called on him wouldn't have been called in the old days. Would make would have made him a little bit less valuable regardless of the talent that he had. But Anders Lee, you know, it is what it is. How many guys do we have who really stand in front of the net? You got Pajot, but he's a small guy. Does Brock Nelson stand in front of the net? Not really. The fourth line doesn't even get in the offensive zone, so they're a no. Uh, you know, the second line, it is what it is, and the first line, you got Anders Lee, and he's just average at it. Uh, grumpy old man. We're getting a few comments here. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a free agent this offseason. Want to see him there in an Islanders uniform. And, again, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is hidden in Edmonton. He's playing great right now. Okay. I have no problem with bringing an offensive talent like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but – you're going to have to get guys off your cap to make that work. I mean, see, that's the whole thing. You're hamstrung by these big long-term deals that nobody wants those players. So you're stuck with them. Who can you get rid of? Are you going to try trade Ryan Pulak to make that work? Are we going to trade more young defensemen? And so we keep all the old players. Lack of planning means that we're not going to be – I don't think we're going to do anything in free agency. I told you we were going to do nothing last year. What did we do? Nothing. 
Grumpy, I'm going to let you take this question and run, Grumpy. The Islanders' second line has seven points in nine games, and I always butcher this name. Anasithu, I, I always butcher the name, and I apologize. And Anasio. Duclair, was that? Anasio. And, okay. Uh, Grumpy old man. And Duclair have 12 points combined. So far, they make $2.7 million, and the atrocious Leo Komarov makes $3 million. Grumpy, I'll let you roll with that for a second. Think about it, right? Talk about mismanagement. You got two – Younger guys, well, honestly, he was not that young anymore, but he's a guy that we could have had in free agency up until two weeks before the season. Anthony Duclair went for a song, right? But no, we want to keep on playing the Leo Komarovs, the finished Leo Komarovs, guys who are 33, 34 years old, making ridiculous money, where we bid up a free agent who had no other offers. Does that sound familiar, Matt Martin? I don't know. You tell me. Does that sound familiar? Anders Lee, how many bidders and suitors did he have when he was a free agent? Nobody, maybe Montreal, but certainly not at the ridiculous term and money that we gave him. Sometimes we bid against ourselves, and that's been a Lou Lamarillo trademark, honestly, for quite a long time, and a mistake in my opinion. So uh, I don't know what else we can go on to besides that, but I would have liked, I wouldn't have mind. I mean, think about how cheap Duclair was, right? Or, and uh, and Anasio definitely had some offensive acumen. What do we need? Offense. Duclair, young. I don't think they want to give young guys a chance. I mean, if you're not even going to play a Josh Hosang or not even give him a shot and you're not going to play consistently a Kiefer Bellows, who was a first-round pick for your organization, or Oliver Wallstrom, who showed in that first game, you know, I have. I mean, I have a problem with that, but it just tells you how the organization thinks, right? We only think veterans first. Young guys, you're an afterthought. <laughs> and grumpy old man Tommy also chiming in saying, uh, who do I think the Islanders will protect? He's got – now, again, this is important. Who does he think the Islanders will protect? Not who should the Islanders protect, Grumpy. He says, Barzal, Bavillier, Nelson, Lee, Pajot, Bellows, one other, and uh, Eberly and Bailey will be exposed. I'll tell you one thing, Grump. He also agrees. They need to protect uh, Bellows. You and I have said it too. Bellows has played well. They need to protect Bellows so far. I think he showed flashes, and I'm really excited to see what he's going to continue to do. I only protect young guys. I'm not I'm not protecting Lee. I'm not protecting Eberly or Bailey. I protect Nelson, even though he's played poorly this year. Uh, but Eberly has, what, three more years on his deal? Bailey has, what, two or three years on his deal? Lee has five on his deal. Those are the guys you want to expose. You want to save yourself, you know, probably get try to get out of cap jail. You expose your big money players. And I'm going to tell you what, I might protect Everly over Bailey only because if it's those two, because Bailey does bring, uh, he's a solid citizen. And I'm not saying that Everly isn't, but he'd be somebody who I think would really do well in an expansion environment, uh, being a leader type by example on the ice. So I think maybe he'd have a better chance of being picked up than an Everly. Uh, com- uh, here's a comment here, grumpy old man, from Tom White saying, if Lee had 10 goals so far, would his contract still be talked about? That is an interesting question. I was about to say, I think it would not be talked about as much. Maybe just in passing, it would be mentioned a little bit here or there. If Lee had 10 goals, though, so far this season, we would be <laughs> we'd, we'd be in much better shape offensively. We'd have a much better record, I think, if Lee had 10 goals. Um, I mean, I'll tell you one thing. We wouldn't be complaining and bitching and moaning about the lack of offensive ability on the Islanders if Lee had 10 goals so far this year yeah 
But guess what? Leak doesn't have 10 goals this year. So, you know, if and butts in a can of nuts, it doesn't really matter. He doesn't. He's got three. I mean, for a guy who plays on the first line and first line power play minutes, he's got three goals. Comment here also from Scott said Turgeon for La, uh, for Lafontaine in October of 1991. We also got uh, Benoit Hogue and Oli Krupp uh, in the deal as well. That was a, I mean, considering that Lafontaine was not going to play for us anymore, that was a killing for us. That was a really good deal. Lafontaine was a great player for us, Hall of Famer, uh, but he didn't want to be there any longer. And it's always best to move those guys. And, you know, when you got Krupp, uh, Hogue and Turgeon, that was a great haul. I think we also gave up Randy Wood and was it Dave McElvain? I forget who else we gave. Up. I think maybe Dave McElvain or maybe he came back the other way. But that uh, deal paved the way for that 1993 team that made it to the uh, Stanley Cup semifinals. Uh, Grumpy also a comment here from Tommy saying free agents get overpaid. Some Islander fans are ridiculous. Cry when they don't sign free agents complain when we do. I'll put it like this. I understand free agents get overpaid. I look at it like this, though. You got to overpay for the right free agents. I, I've always been a firm believer in that. Like a guy like a guy like Panarin, sure. When you look at his contract right now, he's earning a lot. He's got a killing grumpy old man. In the same token, that's a guy you overpay for, though. That's a guy whose whose talent's going to continue there, and he's got something we don't have. That's the most important thing. You got to have you got to have those players, and you got to fill the slots of what you don't have and make yourself a more complete team. The Andrews Lee. We had the leadership. That's really what he brings to the table. I think that's his most valuable. That's his most valuable. Um, that's his most valuable trait, right, Grumpy? Is he's got that leadership, and he's you know he is the New York Islanders. Yeah, but you don't overpay for leadership, you know. And here's the thing: you're right. Free agents do get overpaid. Every free agent gets overpaid. The thing is, you don't want to overpay for your own free agents. You know what they bring to the table. They should be worth more to other teams than they are to you. You know all their warts. Was anybody willing to offer Anders Lee seven years at seven million per? No. Why are you bidding against yourself? Why did you feel the need to sign in? Matt Martin, was anybody bidding, you know, more than vet minimum for a 32, 33-year-old fourth liner whose best days are behind him? No. But we felt we had to give him four years. Why? I mean, I, you look at Andy Green, right? Andy Green signed for $700,000. Wouldn't it have been better if you want to sign somebody for one year? How about Zdeno Chara for one year at seven ninety five? dollars You think that would have been better value than uh, – uh, and I like Andy Green, but then Andy Green? I would say so. I mean, and you got Andy Green who's – okay, but Zdeno Chara can still play. I'm telling you, Andy has slowed down this year, noticeably slowed down this year. And here's the thing. You wanted a vet to play with. Uh, no adoption. You think he could learn something from Zidane Chara? I, I think he could. And the thing is, like, right, Zidane Chara has the same, a, a very, very similar size frame uh, as you know, as Dobson, both a bigger guy. I will say this much: Zidane Chara made some uncharacteristic mistakes when we again, like, I've only really watched the Washington Capitals the two times we played him this year. He made some mistakes that kind of left me scratching my head, saying, "Oh, Chara, what are you doing?" Like that goal he just gave. To Matt Barzal, where he threw the puck right up the middle of the ice. I'm like, man, oh man, Chara, you know better than that. Don't clear the puck through the middle of the ice. Do you mean like Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, and Nick Letty? That same play that they don't get called out on. But let's make sure we call out Matt Barzal for having a high stick penalty after he's the only guy back on a bad pass by uh, by at below average Anders. You mean that guy? 
yeah, I got no problem with that. Everyone's going to make mistakes, okay? But here's the thing. The veteran leadership, you talk about leadership, all right, somebody was complaining, well, what do we need Johnny's leadership in block shots? What about Zidane Chara on a one-year deal? Mm, grumpy old man. A uh, comment here from Ross. I feel like this is low-hanging fruit. What did the Islanders spend on scouting compared to other teams? I think we do a good job scouting, def- an excellent job scouting, def- amateur scouting, he said and clarified, by the way. I think we do an excellent job scouting defensemen. Um, you know, we definitely need to, to shift focus a little bit more to the forward group, though, going forward, grumpy old man. You won't see me, you won't see me arguing that against that point. I'm going to say we probably spend a lot less on our scouting staff than other teams, and uh, I'm just spitballing here. But since we only draft defensive players, maybe they can only afford to put one scout in an arena at a time, and they're always in the defensive end, so they don't see any of the offensive players on the other end, and maybe that's why we don't draft any of them. Yes, grumpy old man. Um, gotcha there. We got a few more comments here running through. I know we are uh, we are further on down the list, grumpy. We're at an hour and forty five. Our last two live streams have gone quite some time, uh, grumpy old man. Longer than they usually do here. Um, <laughs> been waiting for over twenty years for the power play to be good. Should we just say there's no hope on the power play? Um, it sounds like we have a visitor in on the podcast. Yes, we do, grumpy old man. The cat. Was meowing, so here she is. Probably hungry, and she knows when she goes when she wants food, she probably goes to you. Go to the big guy; he'll feed you. What do we need on the power play to be good? We need more talent. Um, it's just it's just that plain and simple. You want to get better on the power play. At some point in time, you have to have more talented players up there. When you don't score any, when the team doesn't score any goals, I don't know what makes you think the power play is going to be any better. It's slow developing. Better when Dobson's in there. And there's been some power plays where Letty's group has been a little bit better. But for the most part, what you see is when Letty's out there, it's slow, side-to-side passing, no urgency, very easy to defend. And when you don't have to worry about a shot from Bailey or from Letty, everybody else can collapse in on the other three players, very easy to defend. A little bit different when Noah Dobson's out there. He's much quicker with his decision-making and his passes. I think – I still think – that they're getting a little bit too much of him and Barzell back and forth. And that tells me that's what they're being taught to do. And I don't like that. I want Barzell being creative, Dobson putting pop, uh, shots at the net, Anders Lee, if he's capable, putting his stick on him. Mm, a grumpy old man. And we still miss the trigger man. Mm, grumpy old man. I uh, got a few more comments here. Uh, Mark chiming in saying, is Bavillier playing Saturday versus Pittsburgh? I know he was skating uh, earlier on this week. He was skating not with the team. He was skating there uh, in a separate session. I don't think he's going to be back this Saturday against Pittsburgh. Uh, I expect probably like midweek. If he is, that would be a pleasant surprise in a much welcome one. That is for sure. Yeah, we need him. Honestly. <laughs> And here's the thing. Why isn't the second lineman good this year? Because he's the one who drives the second line. It's not Brock Nelson, and it's not uh, Josh Bailey. Um, That's why when Hosang played with Nelson and Bailey previously, they worked well together because they had somebody who could drive the offense, which was Josh Hosang. I know, admittedly, in a small sample size, but that's what you see with that second line. When Bavillier's going good, that line's going good. When he's not, they're not. Oh, grumpy. That's why I almost regret bringing up Josh Hose no, every throughout a podcast because he gets thrown in then by you the rest of the podcast, grumpy. No, but think about it, right? Last year in the playoffs, right? Oh, the second line was the best line. Why? How many goals did Anthony Bavillier have, right? I mean, he had a boatload of goals last season. The point he drives that second line. Every line needs a creator. It's not Brock Nelson and it's not the human sidecar. It's just not. It's Bavillier. 
I mean, those are just facts. Grumpy old man here, Chase, saying too much invested in the fourth line, which is performing horribly, paying too much for average players. Bailey Lee Eberly, this team should have Taves in no green cap mismanaged in Boychuk, only thing saving um, Lou Lamarillo right now. Hold on. Now, Grumpy, you didn't tell me you had a Facebook with the name Chase Jaycox because this almost sounds like you're like a Smurf account, Grumpy. This almost sounds like it's you. Some people are smarter than others. He knows. Chase knows. <laughs> it's the truth. Uh, he, 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 you know, he's right. He's spot on. You know, These, but look at it going forward. If you want Andrew's, uh, I'm sorry, what's the difference, right? Andrew Ladd, long term injury that gives you five and a half million per every year again that you can go over the cap. You got Johnny on there, Cal Clutterbuck potentially for another year, three and a half million. These are the type of guys you just need to put them on long term injury. That's what you need to do get them out. They're not producing, and you can reinvest that money in somebody better. Got a few funny ones here. Brian's saying, someone buy Lee a pair of Maple Leaf PJs, please. Oh, God, that's funny. And then Scott's saying, Grumpy, and again, this is, a, I'm sure, another funny. How do you think Al Arbor would have done with this Islanders team? Well, I'm going to tell you what. You would have seen Oliver Wallstrom playing. Why? Because he's a goal scorer. You could teach him how to play defense. You can't teach people how to score goals. Uh, Josh Hoshang would have been playing. Why? Because he had to bring some offense. Al Arbor was a great coach. And as good as Barry Trotz is, he's nowhere near as good as Al Arbor. Sorry. And I think Barry, I think Barry Trotz is a very, very good coach. He's no Al Arbor. Here's another one, Grumpy. Uh, Tommy's saying the Grump could put up 60 points playing with Connor McDavid and Leandre Saddle. Oh, I love it. 65. 65. <laughs> oh, Grumpy. I mean, Josh Bailey. Josh Bailey would put up probably put up 65 points playing with them. They probably have 200 each, but he'd have 65. But he'd have a lot of secondary assists. Oh, grumpy old man. I'll tell you. It never it never gets old with you, Grumpy. Uh, Brian saying, last year, Trotz was in Washington after getting buried by Pittsburgh uh, every year in the second round. He was down 2 nothing in the Columbus series, and they were in overtime in gate three. Panarin hit the crossbar in OT. That puck goes in. The Capitals would be down 3-0 and they were done for. Trotz would have been fired, and he would have looked at it differently. I'll tell you that much, grumpy old man. That's right. You forget. That year they made that Magical Cup run, they were losing. They were down They were down 2-0 to Columbus, and they were they had played two home games, and that was in overtime in Columbus. And I was like, oh, wow. This could have very well – I thought that was there very well the beginning of the end there for the, the Capitals. I didn't think they were going to come back. And sure enough, they staged that huge comeback, and they won the Cup that year. They were not – he was – like I said, they didn't want to bring him back the next year. They, he was gone either way, right, which is fine. And he's only made it to the Eastern Conference Finals twice or to the uh, the finals of the conference twice in all his years of coaching, last year with us and the year he won the Cup. Other than that, he's been knocked out in the first or second round of playoffs every year. I mean, I think he's a very good regular season coach. But you need something a little bit more when it comes playoff time. And like I said, just rolling the lines out. I thought last year he caught lightning in a bottle. That was as good as the Islanders could play. I don't think you could expect them to go any further than that. And now you're going to see a natural regression. I see some of these comments. I almost question showing them. Brian saying Kaliev would have helped the power play. Wallstrom and Bella. So gosh. <laughs> but, but seriously, the team needs. We need to draft for offensive players. We can't score. 
We don't go out of our – we don't trade for any scores. We make two trades last year, a defensive defenseman and a third-line center. Do we even think about going for a first-line winger? Patrick Laine was out there for the taking this year. You should have tried. You should have tried to make something happen. Maybe it doesn't work, but you should at least have tried. And instead of moving Devon Taves for two second-round draft picks, why not try to build a deal, uh, some type of deal around him to get Laine here? Tell me that wouldn't have worked. Uh, yeah, Grumpy. I'll tell you. Well, they went for the defensive defenseman because Andy Green. They needed to go ahead and shore up with Pelic out, Grumpy. So that was more of a needs base at the moment. They had to trade for a second round pick for Andy Green. But hey, you know what I mean. I I think he definitely when they resigned him. I think he. I, you know, even though you think he's been a step slow this year, I think he's definitely helping Dobson develop, Grumpy. Yeah, I, I mean, I think he has been beneficial for him. But I think right now Dobson's carrying him. I think Dobson, the sky's the limit for him. Like I said, next year, best defenseman on the island. Oh, grumpy old the more, man. The more he, every, he gets better every game. Barzell gets better every single game. Uh, comment here from Vinny. We're getting towards the end. Uh, a comment here from Vinny. 85 pro games for all draft picks from 2016, 17, 18, 2019, 2020, and 2021. I cannot believe that. Wow. What does it tell you? Maybe you need a different scouting staff. I mean, Dobson is going to pan out. Um, what wasn't oh, Pulak? I think was fifteen. He was drafted in two thousand fifteen. Uh, you know, but think about it. Who can you say has really been good? Who you drafted? I think Dobson's going to be good. Potentially Wallstrom, maybe Bellows, but that's it. That's I was about it. to say. So out of out of those players, grumpy old man, the players from 2016, 17, 18, 19, 2020, and twenty twenty one. Obviously, 2020, 2021, 2019 even. That's a little too early to be saying that. But, again, the players who have played their 2016 draft class, just Bellos and Otto Koivla, um, Sebastian Ajo from the 2017 class. And, again, he it's been a long time since he's been back out there, grumpy old man. And I think Robin Sala will play uh, long-term. And then Oliver Wallstrom as well as Noah Dobson in 2018. I, we're going to see that number continue to climb. But, wow, when you put it in process, when you put it in context like that, that's right, 2016, 2017, haven't really had a killer uh, killer player that's making a huge impact as of yet on the Islanders. I think that Dobson definitely will huge impact. Wallstrom, huge impact. I think Robin Sala, when he gets here, will make an impact for the Islanders long-term. So, you know, not terrible, not all said and done just quite yet, but just more of these long-play players that are making an impact long-term. Yeah, and I just wanted to, once again, just mention something about Barzal and Dobson, how they're improving. Uh, it seems like every game to me, that's what happens when you give young players a chance, honestly, instead of sitting them down in the minors. I mean, how old is Barzell now? 23? And Dobson's 20? I think he's, I still think he's 20. I mean, you look at all the other defensemen or the offensive players, they leave them down in the minors till they're 23, 24, 25 years old. Bring these guys up. Let them learn at the NHL level. So this way you're able to get their best years instead of, you know, when they're kind of, okay, we're already at our peak. You're, pay, you're, paying, you're paying for production as opposed to paying for past production, Grumpy Old Man, I think is what you're looking for. Um, yeah, and we got here a comment also from Sal saying, speaking of the horrendous power play, I absolutely can't stand when they continue to do those slingshot drop passes when they're transitioning through the neutral zone. You never saw teams doing that in the 80s and 90s. I'll just tell you, that's just the way the game has changed is all. Yeah, I hate that too. I mean, the Canucks were doing it in the 2000 and the – uh, 2010s and late 2000s. Uh, I, I hate it too, where they just skate up there and they drop it and somebody else picks it up. I, I'm like, no, I don't like it. I, what happened to the old dump and chase game? 
So what happens? Good defensive teams, they stand up at the blue line, and you know you try to do a little a little dunk pass. You never, you know what? Dump it in, chase it, run the defenseman. That's what you should do. Have a guy come in full speed, hit that defenseman, and get the puck. Generate something. And long and long term series, that definitely is a way to do. So you were at the fences doing that, grumpy old man. Uh, also, a comment here from Robert. This is interesting. How much input does Lou have on Barry's line decisions? None. I don't think he has any input on that. I think Lou trusts Barry implicitly. Um, and I think they both think alike anyway. So mm-hmm. I don't think he I don't think he has any input in that at all. Grumpy old man. Uh Tommy, we're almost at the end here. Comments, grumpy. It's almost another two-hour-long podcast, grumpy old man. Um, Bellows should be on the power play with Barzal feeding him. I, again, I wouldn't be opposed to that either. You know our power play is in dire straits when again, n- nothing gets Zarnak. But the same token, his first game up there with our team, he's playing on the first-line power play. And it's not like Zarnak is known to be an offensive juggernaut and have unbelievable offensive acumen. I'd rather have Wallstrom on that power play unit with Barzal. Uh, I think Bellows – I would mind putting Bellows on the second power play unit because he's another He's another shoot-first guy. Uh, that's what you want on a power play. You want a guy shooting the puck, not just playing around with it, just killing two minutes till you go back to play in your defensive zone. You're trying to score. You should be trying to score goals anyway. But I think uh, Wallstrom at that trigger spot would be I, – I just like to try that out, honestly. I'd like to see that. I haven't had that opportunity. A grumpy old man. A comment from Will. It's interesting. Could we be sitting in a worse spot? Also, Grumpy's Canucks look like they're about to implode. Yeah, maybe it's because Travis Green is their coach. While he did good last year, he probably remembered when he played for Mike Milbury. And this is what those island teams used to do was lose. I'm, I mean, they're a young team, and uh, I think that they're struggling right now due to, I think, the shortened off season when you have a very young team. They also lost, right, Chris Tanev, Jacob Markstrom. These are team leaders that you lost. And if you don't refill those spots or have somebody to fill in, you struggle. And that's the difference between, like, the Islanders are all leadership, no talent. I think Vancouver's – a whole lot of talent and not a whole lot of leadership. You need that combination of both. And Tanev was really, I mean, I know that uh, Edler is still there back on the defensive end, but Tanev was a very well-respected leader in that locker room. And Jacob Markstrom also, you wouldn't think about that from a goalie, but for everything that I've heard, uh, he was a real leader on that team too, and it was a big loss for them. I remember when, is it Jakob? I always can't, he's, is it Jakob or Jacob? I don't know. I call him Jacob, J-O-C-O-B. Okay. <laughs> well, well, grumpy old man. It's about two hours in. We will end it here with one last comment here. Fair B from the Flyers says is twenty years old. They show faith in him. He gets a hat trick the other night. Has five goals already this year. Um, yeah, grumpy old man. We are right at two hours. Um, a little longer than usual. I guess this is in. Uh, Apology to all the people who listen there to the live stream and podcasts because we won't be doing a post game Saturday. So we were doing it. I'll be at the wedding. Sorry again, grumpy. Um, but we will be having another live stream on Wednesday, and that will be with at least two games under the belt of the New York Islanders grumpy old man, which moves me to my next question. With the Pittsburgh Penguins, we're playing them tomorrow at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And then on Tuesday, we play the oh, – I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong – I'm looking at the wrong schedule, grumpy old man. Oh, I'll tell you what. I'll let you look at the schedule. I'll- I've got it right here. So we're going to play the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow at 7 o'clock. On Monday, we play the Rangers at 7 o'clock also, Eastern Standard Time. Grumpy old man, what are predictions? What are your predictions here for the next two games before our next live stream? 
I just want to comment on Brian's post and I'll give you the predictions. Uh, Farabee is not the greatest defensive player, but he goes out there and he skates hard. Um, that's somebody that we could have drafted if we wanted to. Uh, we didn't, but uh, you know, it kind of is what it is at this point, but see, when you give young guys a chance to succeed guys who have talent, you can nurture them. And I think he's going to be a good player for them for a long time to this week's games. I'd say we almost have to come away with four points against Pittsburgh and the Rangers. We should not lose to the Rangers, not with the JV coach that they have. We should not be losing to them. And like I said, I think we match up well against them anyway. I, you know, I think we were a little bit full of ourselves after dominating on open night. Then we got rolled the next the next game. The big one is Pittsburgh, though. We have to come out and show well against Pittsburgh. We can't come out losing that game. I just think we have to win. We we can't let too many games go if we want to stay in the playoff hunt. Well, Pittsburgh's in the same situation where they had that extended break. I think the last game they had played was Monday, so they had an extended break, just like the Islanders had that extended break. I'll tell you this much, Grump, since you didn't answer the question of how many points you think we're going to get, I'll answer it. I'll answer mine. I was about to say, I think we're getting four. I think we're going to beat Pittsburgh, and I think we're going to beat the Rangers. And uh, you're going to see all the Islanders hopies. Ah, everything's, everything's all cured. We're back to good, happy days. Um, I'd just say not so fast. Uh, again, I think the team has the ability to make the playoffs. Uh, there's definitely still holes. There's places we need to improve. I hope this break allows the team to come back energized and they need to come back with that mindset just like the Islanders did in the playoffs and at the bubble, and they need to come back ready to play grumpy. I'm just going to say I might have to switch from me saying the Islanders are going to get four points between every podcast because so far we've gotten none since I've made those predictions. Uh, I'll say three. This I'll say three out of the four. Okay, Grumpy, I'm going to go with four, Grumpy Old Man. Thank you for so much for being a part of the podcast, as always, Grump. My pleasure. And thanks so much, guys, for everybody who participates in the live stream and listens to the podcast. We do appreciate being able to uh, speak with you guys and interact there. I know we're working on, when I say we, I am working on getting a way where we can go ahead and get uh, people to call in as well as to comment. I think it would add like a cool new layer uh, onto the podcast and the live stream. We're working on it. Uh, and I know, uh, again, we love being able to interact there with you guys. We love the live streams. The last little, I guess the last two live streams have been two hours almost a piece. I've enjoyed it, Grumpy. Um, I just know I have to go race to the bathroom afterwards to pee, uh, Grumpy old man. But thank you again for being a part of the podcast as always. Maybe you should check your prostate uh, if you have to pee after two hours. Um, but thank you very much. Uh, always a pleasure. And I just absolutely love talking to all the people out there. We have a great time. And I would love for you, TJ, to get the ball rolling on the call in second. We're working on it, Grumpy. And thank you, though, so much for being a part of the podcast, as always.